Hello and welcome to uh, an episode of Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. And uh, joining- I'm, oh, I'm, I'm Jim McGeehan uh, from Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire, and this is the, the last one for this whole Eras of Westeros thing, which has just blossomed from just a tiny old 45-minute panel from yeah. two years ago. So I know. I mean, it's, it's all on you, all on you for, for building it into something big. So, you know, this, <laughs> is, this, you. Is, yeah, this is well, your thank baby you for being here. And this has been so much fun to have you to to blossom from this, that wonderful little panel and this great idea. And just like just talk it through the history of Westeros and kind of like look at it a bit more broadly and just talk about it. I mean, we've had so much fun in Ranking Thrones of talking with Evan of the who was a TV show only fan and just tell instructing him in all the deep lore of of the history that martin has given us but it's it's great to talk to a a super fan and just really get into the broader perspective and look at this kind of as a real history oh yeah you you can dissect this just like any real history yeah and um and so we've got two wonderful names to go (laughs) to call this age like we've had we've gone through the conqueror's age of of Aegon all the way up to Jaehaerys the the conciliator then we had the the dance of the dragons that one magnificent 3 hour episode about basically 2 years of history kind of and then we covered the silver age yeah, yeah. Uh, which was um what in, was Jim's panel was on and then we covered last week. We did the the Blackfire era with Stephen Atwell joining us, and thank you again, Stephen, for joining us for that. And now we're at the conclusion, and we've got two names for it. Jim has come up with the wonderful the Rotten Age, and that's a very fitting way to call it. I came up with the more poetic the era of false of the false spring, because because to me, when I think about this era, it's the, the very idea that we, we get from Martin of the false spring, of that this promise of, ooh, this looks like it's going to be a glorious time, the hard times are over, and now we're in the dawn of spring, this glorious new age. And each time, each person that seems like that spring prince turns out to be false, for whatever reason. And we're going to discuss why each of these spring princes didn't meet up meet the challenge for whatever reason i mean uh, luckily for the first one we can kind of say from the get-go what happened although at the same time i do wonder and this is something great that about martin is he he always leaves it up to us to decide whether it's nature or nurture because there was always signs that Ares the second was the mad king but also there you can make a great case that just his life and experience drove him to be the mad king Ares the second yeah certainly after the dust and dell era you can wonder exactly yes. how how much did that exacerbate any underlying met, uh mental conditions or anything like that but then you know even from the start so when he first started he was this big grandiose schemer i don't think we've actually had since any, I mean, honestly, since Jaharis, have have we ever had a guy a guy who had ideas for Westeros? Just 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 in terms of just grand architectural projects, 
all this sort of wonderful stuff. Now, of course, the problem is, uh, A, he didn't have the means to do any of it. B, he forgot about them just about as quickly as he came up with them. I mean, not all of these uh, ideas are pretty bad. Like, some of them, like building a new wall and conquering northern territory, that's not a really good idea because no, that's a the wall is a idea. huge architectural you know, feat. It take, would take a long time to perform, and that the land up there is not really worthwhile. I mean, it's and it's straight up genuine, stone. and the wall is straight up genuinely magical, which, yeah, yes. Well, I mean, he doesn't but. know that. Yeah, he, he does. But <laughs> yes. then you have ideas like maybe, uh, you know, architectural canal projects to maybe increase the fertility and the irrigation of Dorne. And depending on the logistics, I mean, maybe a, a subsea under, you know, a, you know, a sub mountain, a subterranean grand canal network that might not work. But I mean, if they had a Persian canot or something like that, that might actually work for certain areas of Dorne to yeah. bring. Well, I mean, and a canot that was. That was from the ancient era. I mean, if I remember correctly, we had the first millennium BC. Uh, there were there's uh, evidence of Kanats in in the in the uh, the deserts of Persia. So it's not unfeasible. So I mean, you know, some that that's not a bad idea. You know, build building another capital city out of shining marble because everyone stinks. Not a good idea. Yes. Yes. Well. <laughs> It gets to the heart of Ares, and we're already getting into it, and I love it, is that part of what I, I skipped over, but I think is really important, is that when Ares steps in as as king, first and foremost, and the, the most important thing, is that for the first time in a hundred years, a hundred years, there is no rival claimant for the Targaryen throne, he is unquestionably king. The Blackfire line, supposedly, supposedly, is completely extinguished. And that he himself also is a war veteran and, and fought in the War of the Nine Penny Kings to finally expunge the last of the Blackfire rebels. And so... Theoretically now, like this could be the dawn of a golden age. And at the time when he took power, he was this charismatic, handsome, energetic young king. And, of course, he has with him his best friend, Sir Tywin Lannister, to be his hand. And he does something interesting early on is that they immediately choose to expunge all the court yeah. of the, the old generation and everyone that had served un, under Aegon the Unlikely of Egg. All of Egg's like, last surviving court are expunged. Now, and if Tywin was, was anyone else, that would really probably be a really bad call and a really terrible idea. Because that's because yeah, yeah. that could be really youthful hubris, but yeah, and you're using a lot of intellectual capital. I mean, just the experience that they have is. I mean, that's why you don't just when you have huge turnover, you lose a lot of 
uh, efficacy as an organization. Mm-hmm. You just you don't have the the experience that you had before. But you know, obviously, you still want to run at the same at the same you know ops tempo and everything like that. But for all of his genocide tendency, I, I, I mean, at this point, I don't think he's genocide yet. I think he's just no. a mass murderer. He's just a mass murderer. <laughs> just a mass murderer. <laughs> just well, a mass murderer. Well, well, ha, ha, yeah, the reigns of Casimir has already happened, so. Yeah, you know that's what got, that's what got him noticed. Now, I mean, he was already tight. Ty- uh, he was already Ares's friend, so he probably would have gotten, uh, you know, he probably would have gotten a seat on the council and all that. Besides, but but no, I mean, people still start up, you know, stood up and took notice of Tywin. Yeah. Uh, for the reigns of Castamere. Uh, Absolutely. Well, well, that... not for the reason, not for the reason that might be good. I mean, certainly, you know, Titos had his problems. I mean, if you're loaning money and failing to get it paid back, if you're failing to keep order, that's a problem as a feudal overlord. Uh, you know, you you need to be able to project a deterrent effect. That's yes. one of the things well... you have to do. <laughs> well, I mean, we're gonna get it. I mean, let, let's get into it now. I mean, like, yeah. uh, th- th- this is um, Tywin is one of the of Martin's best characters, written, fascinating, a terrible man, but also strangely a great man. It's just like it's he's it's not easy, and uh, I can very much understand Kevin Lannister's defense of Tywin in A Storm of Swords. Of just that, that their father Titus was such a a weak lord, a good man, absolutely. I don't doubt a good man. Oh, well, meaning but, man, but, but, certainly, yeah. But you can't be like a, a lenient and generous man before eventually you become what Titus ended up becoming, of just like a laughingstock, of just like this pushover lord, and when you're a lord paramount of of Westeros when you're one of the most powerful lords you really shouldn't be a joke you really shouldn't be a laughing stock yeah i disagree that you 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 can't be merciful and lenient but oh, at no, the no, same I time you, you you have to have some iron you have to have yeah. some iron, some red lines in the sand and say, look, you know, if you borrow money, you will pay me back. If you do not pay me back, we'll work something out, whether it's, you know, a hostage here, or if you have to lose, you know, if you lose certain rights in your feudal contract for X number of years until you pay back this stuff, then, you know, that is what it is. I mean, certainly him just, dest- you know, just destroying uh, a vassal is not, you know, what the, the Tywin solution is not ideal. Absolutely. But you have to, you, no. You, you have to you if if it calls down you have to be able to project that deterrent effect. You have to be able to have a monopoly on violence. You have to be able to have all of these things in order to actually if you have this strength, then you you can actually exercise this sort of discretion. Yes. Where you say, hmm, okay, you can't actually do this. You know, it's like okay, I loaned you some money, and oh wow, uh, you got hit with uh, you know bull weevils or whatever, and it's it's really ruined your crop. Okay, well, we'll work something out. You know, you have to take, you know, this, this, you lose logging rights here for, you know, until we can get this. We'll make it work out. We'll get you where you're going. You know, if you, you know, they, he even says when you, uh, when a 
person comes to you on your knees, you have to be there to pull them back up. You actually have to be able to do that, whereas yes. you know the jo- the Joffrey kind of way is yeah, the no 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 it, no you know yeah. the may the Magor make a desert and call it a peace. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's part of the reality. And and I, I want to clarify, I, I I'm not Machiavelli in saying that you it's better to be feared than to be loved. Uh. I'm just saying that basically what you were saying is that you you should always be merciful and kind-hearted as basically what Titus was, but you can't let yourself become so – you do have to have that line yeah. in the sand of like saying, no, no, okay, look, look. You have to be like your Harris, quite frankly, of just like saying like, look, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. Just don't make me have to rattle my saber. Don't have make me have to – do that basically what tywin does although in other ways i do understand tywin being what he does at castamere just because it's just like at this point it's it's not just that they've crossed the line they've crossed the line and then mocked and said look at us we've crossed the line we've crossed the line well i understand that as well flooding the uh, castle ki- killing them all yeah. refusing, oh, yes, refusing yes, 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 to yes. allow them go to the night's watch yes that, 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 that yeah that being said that being said yeah, the drowning here is like so. Yeah. So what the hell? Yeah. It's, Although it's, it also becomes very instructive for Jamie Lannister, as well as we found out in A Feast for Crows, when he just sarcastically says, "You know what? Like, I don't get why you keep on having this Bracken Blackwood feud. Just kill both of them and just be done with it." Well, yeah. As it, tur- it turns out, though, mass murder is it. It's just not really a stable thing. Just as uh, so, one of the things I think it was, I want to say it was poor Quentin who said it's like the the, the differing legacies of Eddard Stark and Tywin Lannister is that uh, Tywin Lannister is a great and mighty man feared in his time, and his legacy is being torn apart before his corpse is cold. Yes. Whereas absolutely. Eddard Stark, fo- following his way, you know, it, it does not save him in the end, but. Then you have Big Bucket Wall marching through ten feet of snow to save the Ned's daughter. Yep. So the the legacy does matter, and and you know that's the the thing. And it's like you can see, I mean, when Tywin comes on, he does some things that are pretty interesting. Like you know, he says, "Hey, if you are cutting your bread with sawdust, you know that that's a problem. If you're selling uh, horse flesh as beef, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That that's not bad. That's not a bad idea." You know, those aren't bad, bad policies. I mean, he, he does. He administers the uh, the kingdom relatively well, despite having a completely erratic, uh, irrational, you know, vain, yeah. arrogant king. Yes. Um, well, that, that's going to be part so, of the bite yeah. of what we're going to talk about here. And before, though, I, I want to say, though, part of that brain drain also uh, that that Tywin did was also so he could ingratiate himself with the lords when he when he undid all of Egg's reforms. Oh yes. All of Egg's reforms. Yeah. All of those peasant reforms that yeah. we don't know what they were, but probably they were all well, pretty we can, sound, I'd I'd guess. We can theorize. I mean if if we're going from what we see in Duncan Egg, probably when he sees the things that the peasants are dealing with, it's probably something in response to that. So 
you know, he sees Arian Brightflame beating Tancel too tall. Okay, probably something that has to deal with that. Uh, you know, it's like when he sees the yeah, just uh, because you're a lord, the, you can't you can't yeah. harm your peasants. Maybe something yeah, or, like a or what happened at Standfast when he sees all of those people who have no idea what they're doing holding their fire hardened sticks and then Dunk chases them all off. Yeah, you know, he's probably probably thinking maybe maybe some sort of uh. Um, I mean, maybe the, you have to, or or at least uh, maybe you, some sort of care for people who are maimed in their service. You saw that with, um, what's his name? Uh, Game in Pale Hair. Game in oh, Pale Hair, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think he was trying to do those kinds of things a bit more impracticality and... Oh yeah, more organ, more more organizationally, more 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 structurally sound as opposed to Game and Pale Hair literally saying what his mom is telling him to say on yeah. the Iron Throne. Well, not on the Iron Throne in the middle of uh, well, yeah, the yeah, bottom and, brothels, but yeah, yeah. I mean, because I mean, well, yes, but I mean, they said he held he held the city as if he held the Iron Throne. So yes. <laughs> Well, Tristan and Truefire, yeah. we did a whole episode on Tristan and Truefire because I realized as I was reading Fire and Blood by my own rules, Tristan and Truefire actually did sit on the Iron Throne and right. held That's court. Right. So he, he was technically, right. he technically was king, unlike Gaiman. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so, but yeah, suddenly that, and that automatically, it's like, Taiwan and I have very complicated feelings about because it's like, on the one hand, I very much admire someone who's and sympathize very much with someone who had to deal with. I do wonder, like, if Tywin was hand of the king for kind of almost any king, he might have been pretty much really helped execute a vision, a great vision of Westeros perfectly. But he was the hand of the king for Ares. Yeah. I mean, that's fate, but yeah. I get a lot of Viserys II vibes from, you know, from, you know, Viserys II administering in spite of other monarchs doing all these flights of yes, fancy. Absolutely, so, yes. So a, a, a mass murder, so a much more Machiavellian uh, type of uh, type of uh, Viserys yes. II. I mean, I mean, Viserys II was certainly a pragmatist, but not. I don't think he was a Machiavellian the way Tywin was. I think we have actually now that now that we're we've been talking about about this and from a holistic standpoint from history, I think we've had a sliding scale of 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 these kind of hands that are really being in charge. And I don't know where John Aaron's going to fit in this, but but we've had the best uh, in Viserys the second. Oh yeah. And then you get Blood Raven, who is not exactly great, but at least he's on the right side of history most of the time. And then you get Tywin, who's like, he's just keeping the storm from breaking, but he's not, he never makes a decision that's really for the good of all of Westeros in the long run. Kind of, honestly, him being such an effective hand of the king is why Ares remains king for as long as he is. And oh why, yeah, and why his reign is like misleadingly, seemingly good until suddenly Tywin is not giving the commanding orders. Yeah, well, because I mean, I, you know, we, we, if I'll get into to Bloodraven or anything like that, but certainly you can see that 
essentially Ares is a pretty figurehead. And don't get me wrong, in feudalism, where the personal is political, the symbol, the the, the gregariousness of Ares. Because I mean, this is this is pre Duskendale Ares. He's a charmer. He's funny. I mean, certainly yeah. he, he he gets a little out there. But I mean, you, you get a couple <laughs> of people. I mean, you get a couple of people. You get some drinks in you. You start telling some fish stories. It's okay. It's it's yeah. okay. It's fun. And then, meanwhile, Tywin's in the back, essentially doing the nitty gritty. He's he's the one who's crossing the T's and dotting the I's and making sure the ship estate runs smoothly. I mean, there's a lot of nonsense. I mean, some of the stuff is good about leadership versus management, and a lot of it is nonsense to exalt one kind, who is the person talking, and to denigrate the other, who is not, you know, sort of thing. But uh, you can really kind of see at the very beginning this kind of in a, in the theory and execution of a good a good leadership management dynamic yes where if you and can't have them in the same person split them up and make sure they both know what they're doing yes and well definitely in the bread and circuses metaphor then Aries is 100% the circuses and Taiwan is 100% the bread oh yeah like he, he, he Tywin is doing the hard, busy work, and Ares knows peasantry. He knows how to be that that kind of what a king needs to be of just this royal image of yeah. th- this kind of grand figure. Yeah. With with grand ideas, and but you also need a practical person who can be pragmatic, yeah. and that's definitely Tywin. And Tywin, and I don't want to get too behind the scenes but i do think a lot of it although actually no ellie and linda flat out said that what have mostly said what they wrote and what they didn't write in the world of ice and fire but i think with aries like they i could see a lot more of martin writing in one because it's a bit longer but also two because he because they had a lot of things to go off of yeah but but the authorship disregarding we get so much with Ares the second and it's so much a rich kind of story of this really fascinating dissolving friendship because at the beginning the relationship is so good that that when Ares when Tidos dies and Tywin becomes Lord Lord Lannister becomes Lord Tywin and Lord of Casterly Rock Ares allows them to hold court at Castery Lock for a whole year. Yeah. Like that is just like so astonishing. One, it's in some ways the, the the giant unspoken admission that like, yep, this is really who's king. But it's also well, at the same time, like if you ignore that, it's also this great admission of like, this is my friend and I need him and I will let him do his work while at the same time still being able to do yeah. work for with me. So so it's important to note that in in the medieval era, the, the court traveled with the king. So where yes. the king was is court. So, it, I mean, early kings were even itinerant. I mean, and then you have like, you know, itinerant court. Then you have like the Holy Roman Empire, which is its <laughs> own. I mean, its own, you know, the traveling, the, the Kaiser Falls, I think is what it's called. Um Emperor but, Hadrian's goal, lofty goal of making Rome everywhere in the empire. Yeah. 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 
So, I mean, you can you can understand that. And uh, I think there was like, uh, I mean, so, you know, you can understand that Ares is still king and the, the presence of the king. But that Tywin is so visible as hand really cements that this friendship is a lot of the the, you know, the engine that keeps this kingdom running. And yeah. unfortunately, is that when people start saying exactly what you were saying, it's like, hey, who's really running the kingdom? Is it, uh, and is this... it Ares or? Yeah. Oh, no, no, but do go on. Yeah. Uh, so so the problem is, is that you, you start to get this pang of jealousy yeah. and resentment and envy. I mean, and certainly it didn't help that ta- uh, Ares incredibly envied uh, Tywin's bride, Joanna, yeah. which, I mean, I mean, he does some gross stuff with her. Absolutely. Um, yep. And so certainly that's going to make Tywin mad because certainly anyone that can get away with something reminds him of Tytos and all of <laughs> the vassals of Tytos who got away with things and Tytos just let him. And it's certainly with the social decorum in place when, I mean, if Ares is just flirting a little bit with Joanna, you really can't stop him. But, I mean, he takes it way too far. I know they don't go into specifics, but anyone who's got a bit of an imagination can think of exactly what's going on and think, whoa, yeah. <laughs> certainly that's going to make Tywin furious. And then, of course, Ares well, the, is furious. That is that wonderful... There's that wonderful yeah. little note in the world of Ice and Fire where you get the completely reliable source, completely and utterly reliable source of Grand Maester Pycelle saying, "Oh no, 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 no! These rumors that 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 Tywin uh, that married someone that wasn't a virgin is absurd. Oh, like Lord Tywin would never do that. Uh, well, never. I mean, like all the, this kind of stuff. Like, okay, like you're." You're you're very suspicious in your denial. Well, I, mean, I think it's like more like uh, I know that they said it's like I think they said that Ares took liberties at the yes the, yes what the the ceremony. Uh, well, that, that's good old fashioned just, just Gr- like, yeah grossness really, like, yeah. downplaying the the atrocities that men do in history. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm saying like this is something that Ares specifically did to, yeah. to Joanne during the yeah, wedding, it's like, and it's like it's like you it's, could think it's like you know Stannis really gets angry at Robert yeah. for, uh, for, what is it, uh, going, uh, betting one of the Florent girls in the in the marriage bed. In their and it's marriage like, and, bed. It's, but, like, but, it's not enough that it's like, it's like, it's not enough that you father a bastard on a virgin that you can't deny. Did you have to do it on my freaking marriage bed on my freaking wedding day? Yeah, and it's like the, it's like the sister of the bride too, which is, I mean, but I mean, from that's from all the, for, for for all the grossness that that did, what Ares did is a whole, whole nother level entirely. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Um. But uh, so you can certainly see just them butting heads over all of this stuff, and because in feudalism the personal is political, yes. this falling out has a political effect. Um, I believe Tywin resigns his handship and eventually is able to come up with an excuse. But even when Tywin is still king, but they're antagonistic, you see Ares doing policy specifically to countermand Tywin. Yeah, so, so, it's so like, let, yeah, let's or, start talking about that and get into that. So just oh. like it's, it's it's fascinating, just this slowly like this trickle down of just not trickle down, but more like a, just it's slowly bubbling up. Yeah. Just like this, this resentment and slowly it becomes more and more clear. And what ends their friendship 
flat out uh, as the Pycelle says, and this is where I do believe Pycelle, is that when he is when, sadly, um, the death of Joanna Lannister and the her and the stillbirth or not stillbirth, but she died in childbirth yeah. to give give birth to Tyrion. And the horrificness that now, to be fair, not not fair, but Ares, of course, did not have the gall to say this in front of Tywin. But of yeah. course, like he said it out loud that he actually mocked Tywin for one for Joanna dying and two for her giving birth to a, this monstrous little dwarf. I was like, oh, good. Tywin finally learned some humility. Yeah. It's and then like, you have. Yeah. It's like, it's, wow. Wow. Yeah, Especially the, after um, all that Tywin has done for you. When Tywin Lannister single-handedly pays off all the debts of the Iron Throne. Yeah. Of like, then, yeah. It, that he's managed it, peace and, and this realm for you, that you say that crap. Yeah. Wow. And then you... Yeah, and, and you get real Damon the Rogue Prince vibes out of that because that that's something that he did too. So it's like, yeah. wow, you're re- you're really borrowing from one of the better parts of your history uh, <laughs> in, in, in yeah. acting in acting that way. But yeah. uh, so I mean, but then you see it's like uh, basically there's a, a dispute between the Triarchy and Volantis, and now Tywin says, well, look. You know, that's really kind of remote. Uh, let's just continue a trade relationship. We'll stay neutral and we'll make money off this war. Good old war profiteering, which is yeah. not. I mean, I mean, it, it sounds terrible. It sounds worse than it is. I mean, that I mean, war profiteering is usually something a little different than that. But I mean, a lot of people, when there's a foreign dispute, they sell whatever to whoever is going to buy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the Americans in World War One, we sold to both the uh, the Germans and the British. It's just that the British had a naval blockade, so we couldn't get any of the German goods through and they couldn't pay us. So eventually we just started selling to the Allies because the British weren't going to let us sell to the Central Powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, but certain, and then you know, but since Tywin said, let's maintain a neutral foreign policy, that means, of course, Arya says, nope, we're going to be an interventionist foreign policy. We're going to support Volantis, which is, the, I mean, if you have to pick between the Triarchy and Volantis, the Triarchy's right there. Yeah. You know, they could they could send privateers, or I mean, they're not really privateers. That's more that requires a lot more organization. Really, but I mean, denial assets and sort of stuff. Uh, I mean, you know, there was privateering the the in the Middle Ages and things like that, yeah. uh, but uh, not not in the way of not well, in the in way the, of the... the Renaissance of Queen Elizabeth. Like, actually, I think I'm, I might be misremembering. She either gave a speech or or sent a speech to pri- to English pirates saying, "Hey, if you raid the Spanish, I got no problem. Go on ahead." Well, I mean, that was the whole, that was the whole thing. But usually, when I'm thinking of privateering, I'm think of thinking of the old the great power struggles in the Caribbean with Fre- oh, yeah. French privateers and British. That and that was a lot more organized than the kind of stuff that was dealing with in the Middle Ages. That that that's usually what I think of when I think of privateering. Okay, fair I enough. Yeah. I just wanted to make that clear. But it's like, you know, those guys are right next to you. They probably buy. I mean, Volantis has more money. But the the distance means that not you would only really get large trading caravels that would go to Volantis, whereas you could probably sell a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm guessing that lease 
buys a lot of timber from the Stormlands mm-hmm. because it's they don't have a lot of timber resources. And certainly in the disputed lands, you're going to have a lot of, um, you know, you, you know, maybe there's good resources there. But if if Mir or, T, or uh, you know, if Mir is going to say that, you know, you're not going to be getting this, this is our you know, disputed territory now, certainly being able to get ships uh, for lease since it's an island nation. The Stormlands are right there. I mean, certainly I think the same thing, the Bravos probably buys a lot of Northern timber. Um, but, uh, but it's just, you know, that's, you want to favor the side that's closest to you because they're probably going to be able to get more. Now, Volantis is more important than, uh, depending on the economies of scale, he might've actually had the right idea. I don't really know, but yeah, yeah. it's just, the, the, the think, fact of the matter is, yeah. a bit too much into it. I mean, like... Oh, well, reading but, a bit too much into, into A Song of Ice and Fire? Me? <laughs> but, but... I, I think you're expecting too much out of Ares because it really is just this vein... Oh, yeah. Just like, of just, yeah. like, 100% of, like... Of just, like, starting this kind of, like, what you're saying, like, counteractive policies just to, it's, like, to defy Tywin. It's just policy by Tywin. middle finger. It's policy by middle finger is what it yes, is. Yes, not little finger, middle finger. Yeah. And yes, it's just, it is, like, that's the start of, like, and that's probably one of the worst examples. I'm just, like, mind-bogglingly stupid of, like, of when, like, neutrality is the best option, like, intervening. Yeah. And then, as you point out, not even intervening for the best side that you should probably intervene, if you should intervene at all. Yeah. And yeah. It's not a found, it's not a, a found you know, I mean, sorry, it's not a sound foundation for governance. This 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 idea of governing by middle finger, it's not. It it just isn't. And certainly, you can see this is where things go down the tubes. But there is one thing that I I think honestly saves the kingdom from going even further down is that he has another best friend to rely on, <laughs> and that's uh, Steph. No, it's certainly not as good as Tywin because yeah. we don't really yes. hear that. But certainly, I mean, he's getting erratic and things like that. And so he's really leaning on his other best friend, Stefan Baratheon. Now, Stefan and Tywin and Ares were all war veterans in the War of the, of the Nine Penny Kings. And yep. they were specifically friends. I mean, Stefan lost his father in one of the first engagements. They say, like, mm-hmm. uh, he was able to hit his father got wounded and he grabbed his fallen sword and killed the man that did it. And then his father died in his arms. Very heroic, very, absolutely, very, you know, storybook. But certainly you can see that uh, Stefan is now the guy that he's really relying on to, to build it along with this other, this, this assembly of Lickspittle Lords, he calls them. So and, in that, you, well, well yeah. maybe not fully yeah. relying, but he's like looking to Stefan as his option. Well, certainly, and, I mean, he's certainly entrusting him with, with critical tasks. I mean, he's the one that he entrusts to send to find a bride for his crown prince. Yes. And, and I mean, that's, that's not a task you just give to anyone. Absolutely. No. No, that, that's a big deal. And that's – well, that's what – I loved World of Ice and Fire pointing out. I was like, oh, this was the moment. Like, this was right before he was going to have Tywin relieved as Hand of the King and appoint Stefan. That's great. Yeah. That's a whole new, another dimension that I love. Like I love retcons like that. I love oh, yeah. retcons For, like that. Yeah, counterfactual and what if history and that sort of yes. stuff. Yeah. No, it's, and it, and really the setting. I, 
you've got to believe that George R. R. Martin loves counterfactual history because he seeds his setting with so much of it. Oh yeah. Uh, but well, um, but yeah, but we yeah. should. I think we we skipped over a, a big thing and and where personal is politics is we begin to see start of the war with Tywin and when it becomes a bit more clearly openly hostile is it's still a, a little bit before um the the big tourney at Heron Hall but it's around oh, this, on, yeah but 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 it's around this time when one Ares is I think he's still not Mad King Ares at this point, but it's still when he when when he was getting more and more to that level of just being more and more paranoid that he was. And one of the reasons why we'll get into, but he, he was desperate to have another child and all of his children that were born died quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Weren't born. Tragically. Yeah, tragically. Tragically. Yeah. And then, like, finally, one child did survive. And that child's name was Viserys. And yeah. probably in one of the most unpleasant facts to learn, although also just adding whole new layers to Viserys, is that unlike his relationship with Rhaegar, which we'll get into soon, yeah, like Ares loved Viserys. Well, certainly adored Viserys to the point that some people thought, "Are you going to make him your heir?" Yeah. Well, like, and maybe. you also have to remember that uh, baby babies can't backtalk. <laughs> so, you know, true enough that, that's that's part of that because so certainly you see that Rhaegar had his own faction kept his own council and, and was kind of a bit of a melancholy dude besides I mean Gregarious outgoing Ares certainly was not uh, I was actually trying to lead lead us into the the best policy by middle finger moment which was uh, the defiance of Duskendale well let, let's get into yeah, that yeah. But, I, I, but I want yeah. to preface that by what by a little bit of when just before Stefan dies before before Ares, like in his m- m- policy of middle finger, says like, "F you, I'm going to go. I- I'm gonna get." Is that is that Tywin says like, "Hey, Rhaegar's getting to the right age. Yeah, I have a wonderful, beautiful da- daughter. Yeah, yeah. Why not the two of them?" And just like Ty and just Ares explodes like, "You're a servant. Like yeah. my son will not marry a servant's son." Yep. Only to then say, oh, but you're my friend. I very much value you. And, and but then of course immediately like that's when he sends yeah. Stefan off to Volantis to find a bride, a bride for Rhaegar. Yep. Because the obvious other choice is, quite frankly, because he doesn't have a daughter. Yep. His at the time, his daughter, his best option really is Tywin, but he just doesn't want to choose. Or rather, his best option is Cersei, but still like, nah, nah. Well, yeah, well, he he, he's, he would be worried about it because, I mean, he's starting to get paranoid at this point and certainly yeah. paranoid of Tywin. And so he's thinking, well, if Cersei gets married to Rhaegar, then Tywin has all the reason to, sm- you know, to get me killed yeah. so yeah. that his his pliable in-law can can take over. Yeah. So I, I could certainly see from a from a, par, a paranoid's logic, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yes, but, perfect but way you, putting it. Yeah, and you can yes. see how paranoid he is because he explicitly looks for uh, someone who is of high highborn Valerian ancestry. So he has to go to the Free City, certainly. But he's also making sure someone doesn't have ties to Westeros, so that the in-laws can't form a faction that could trouble him, which yeah. is well, that's, that's really. Like, that's wow. incredibly naive in it, of itself because 
when when Prince Viserys and his Lysini bride came in, the Lysini immediately became a faction. But oh, and, yeah, and it happened. It happens more than once. I mean, you have what's his name, uh, Draz Drazneko. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, uh, you know, he you know he was brought on because of his knowledge, and he oh yeah, Rago Draz, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and he became a faction leader just because of by virtue of his position. Yeah. And I think that's that's what he doesn't really get is that just anybody who has this sort of access will automatically make a faction. Now, certainly yeah, I can I mean, understand. I mean, the, I mean you know, honestly, that okay, I'll, I'll take him a bit more to task because like, if if you're going to marry royalty, like just by that nature, anyone associated with that gets power. Yeah. And I mean, certainly yeah. b- marrying a highborn Volantine noble, it's not, I mean, you know, you had, uh, what's her name? Rohan of Tyrosh was clearly important to the, to the Blackfire Foundation or uh, to the Blackfire faction because you had, uh, it was Daron the Drunken mm-hmm. and uh, one of, uh, one of Baylor's sons, I want to say it was Valar, had to marry Kyra of Tyrosh. So when Valar died, the Tyroshi connection was still so important. Rohan of Tyrosh was still so important to think of that they kept that Tyroshi connection. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're, you're not thinking, I mean, of course, you know, expecting rational, rational thought from a madman, you know, we're, we're maybe, yeah. maybe asking too much. of him. Yeah. Well, okay. And this is, and this is the perfect segue into the defiance of Duskendale of just that all of, up to this point, you can really say that that he's showing signs of paranoia and vanity, but he is not the Mad King yet. And unlike the show, the show clearly makes a case that like interprets that Ares was literally insane, which I don't think is the case in the books. But it's at Duskendale and what he endures at Duskendale that Ares truly becomes the Mad King. And so in the middle of, 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 as you perfectly put it, policy of middle finger, (laughs) I've just like this really kind of, quite frankly, rudimentary like trade dispute. Yeah, it's a a tax dispute. It's like a tax and charter sort of thing. You know, this is, this is, you know, baby town frolics in terms of, you know, you don't expect history to turn on something as, I mean, certainly you can say that history does always turn on mundane things, but you know, it's, <laughs> but it's yes. a, a, a tax and a tax and charter dispute. This is not, you know, the big defining era of, you know, thing, political moment that defines a generation. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be, but yeah, Should, shouldn't be. Yeah. But then, and to be fair, it is like that House Darklin absurdly kidnaps him and well, I mean, ho- ho- holds him hostage. But well, I mean, you know, you wonder exactly what happens. Like he invited him over, and meanwhile, Tywin's like, "No, this is a stupid idea." Yeah, it's like you you, you could just imagine Lord Darklin going like, "Wait, what? He's actually showing up? I I didn't plan for this." <laughs> and certainly, I mean, certainly you could you you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. But this, with, I mean, again, we don't see what happened because, I mean, even the only person, the only POV character we have at this point who was even at there was Barristan Selmy. And, and yeah. he specifically had that that grand hero raid that climbed through the guard rope tunnel and 
break the king out of the dungeon and all this sort of fun and exciting and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, we, see, we see Tywin straight up say when Rhaegar's there, it's like, oh, if they kill him, we have another king. And it's like, yeah. hmm. well, no, he does. He doesn't just he doesn't just say we have another king. We have a better. Oh, king. yeah. <laughs> he said that out loud to everyone that was around. And Tywin, Tywin, like, and I think in a rare moment where Ares is kind of on the money is like, Tywin was totally 100% A-OK with Ares dying. Oh, absolutely. And like, like, even like, as he was about to do the, he was preparing not just for a siege, he was probably planning for a Castamere kind of siege Hmm. where he, he would like, he would destroy the castle Oh yeah. Rather than like, then, and like, oh, you killed the king. Oh, yeah. That's well, terrible. That is so terrible. Can you hear how sad I am about this? Yeah. Oh no, he was he was absolutely hoping. He's like, wait a minute, just wait for it. Let him ha- throw the let him throw <laughs> the head over the gate, and now destroy it stone by stone. Because now he's like, well, I mean, look, they killed the king. That's regicide. You gotta you gotta do that. You know, kind of, let's just gloss over the part where we were like basically saying, do it every single time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, but, we'll kill the king if you come any closer. Go ahead. It's like, and hmm. this is also I don't want to you, you, you signaled it out. This is where I love Martin as a writer of just that one in Dance with Dragons and World of Ice and Fire of just that. of just like this consistency of just that. No good deed goes unpunished of that. Heroes, their most heroic moments are often in service of, oh yeah, of of these like questionable people, and that Prince Aemon the Dragon Knight, who did he he did what every Kingsguard is meant to do, die for your king and valiantly die for your king, but he died for Aegon the Unworthy, yeah, and Barristan the Bold does this amazing single-handedly infiltrating a castle in the yep. dead of night and freeing his king. This is an awesome, quite frankly, fairy tale moment. Oh yeah. But it's in the service of Ares, and I'm I'm working on an essay about this. But basically, just like that, this is the problem with Barristan of that he he's basically the worst of the the kind of the of the Kantian nightmare of of deontology of like I live by my code, and I'm a good man by my code. But like, but yeah, but what you've done is mm. it. Are you a good person for that, though? And so that that's great questions, and I don't no. think gives a clear answer, yes or no. But it's just that. Oh, well, yeah. and, 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 and Barristan himself, like, is completely like 100% understandably like just questioning afterwards, like, oh, did I do the right thing though? Oh, did I do the right thing? Like, yeah, yeah but, it, it was right yeah, to well, me save sure. my king because I'm a king's guard, but but I saved Ares. Well, I mean, I, I've been I've been one of the guys who have been really vocal about his dislike of Barristan Selmy for just wanting to be a weapon <laughs> to point. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is all of these kings guard. You're talking Arthur Dane, Gerald Hightower, Jonathan Derry, all of these guys, these legendary thing, these people, as as Jamie puts them, and it's like, yeah, no, these guys wanted to be weapons to point, and they they use their Kingsguard oath to absolve themselves of responsibility for their actions. It's 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 incredible. The, well, uh, I mean, you know, uh, the... if, if if you um, – poor Quentin goes really into it and in, in not a cast, but fact of the matter is that these are, on, quite frankly, honorable Wehrmacht, of that these people are like, yeah, they're honorable knights, but 
what service are they in? And like that, that like, oh, sir, sir, um, I'm forgetting the exact name of him, the knight that, that becomes lovers with Ariane. Uh, uh, Ares Arcart. Yeah, Sir Ares Arcart. Like, is he only, he objects before he, before he hits me and he doesn't hit me as hard, but like, but yeah, he's hitting you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, and, and then you, you know, I mean, but I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, he, he's always doing that. Dunk is the truest knight, despite yes. the fact that he was never knighted. Brienne yeah. is the truest knight, despite the fact that she'll never be one. Sandor is the one who refuses to uh, hit Sansa, even though he is the supposedly the beastliest mon- one among them uh, sort of thing. I mean, because I mean, Germ loves his beauty and the beast, so. Yes. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Uh, and so, I wonder if Ron Perlman and, and Linda ha- Hamilton ever feel a little bit left in the, the cold. <laughs> uh, that's all. I'm, tangent. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure Ron Perlman can, if he, if he does, he can warm himself with a blanket of money. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love I love Ron Perlman. So I mean, I'm not saying, but I mean, it's just, you know, it's just I mean, the, again, it's one of those things. I mean, yeah. you know, real life is full of interesting counterfactuals too. But certainly, you can see this is where Ares really turns. This is where he becomes yes. not where... just insane, but violently insane. Yes, right I mean, as he's freed, and what he does is so vile, and I I won't repeat, but just like it's just. Just read it on World of Ice and Fire, but suffice it to say, it's just like it's Magor level of just like what the hell? Yeah. And like, and, I mean, and, and, and I can... is only able to save Dantos Hollard, and he because... saves Dantos Hollard. <laughs> well, to be fair, Dantos didn't become a drunk until I mean, he was still a, a boy at yeah, the time, so he, he wasn't yeah. a you know he he wasn't a drunk at the time. I mean, and certainly you can see the the trauma of that really yeah, getting that, to it. Absolutely, and that, yeah, that probably didn't leave a lot of scars, and having your entire family masquered and your name disgraced yeah. forever. Yeah. That I could see how you could turn to a bottle all the time. Yeah. Self-medicating certainly. Yeah. And I just, that became to quote, to quote from Suetonius on Caligula. So died the man. So came the monster. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm just like, good. yeah. I mean, we- we we pulled out Tacitus and now we got Suetonius, so we're doing we're doing good on this one. Yeah, awesome. So he's just and like from that point on, and that also became clear. He he never Ares never liked Rhaegar, and that's one of the reasons. And he that's probably one of the reasons, kind of like Aegon the Unworthy, where he was just so hell bent on on getting another son, so he could obviously remove. Rhaegar from the line of succession but this made it clear that not only was Tywin his enemy in Aerys insane paranoia but also convinced himself that like yeah Rhaegar is my enemy as well yeah no no, Rhaegar Rhaegar's only waiting waiting for a moment yeah Yeah. which no but yeah although he might have eventually come to that conclusion for separate reasons so let's talk about our second False Spring Prince, yep. Rhaegar Targaryen. I, I've never been able to fully cover it on this podcast yet, so I'll say it right now. I got mixed opinions on him. He is, he is absolutely a False Spring Prince because even before we we, it really does become like what he does with Lyanna, but 
where all this wonderful reputation of Rhaegar, of this enlightened, wise prince. But when you look at some of the little scant information from the more intimate people who knew him, he strikes me as a person that's kind of like, like to, to pull some other classical things, a little bit like Oedipus, a little bit like Macbeth of just like, of he let prophecies define him. Mm. In that, like, he, he reads all these stories of the prince that was promised. And, like, Ares the first finding the prince who was promised prophecy out there somewhere along with the dragons will hatch. It's like, well, that's me. And I must be a warrior. Yes. And it probably also didn't help that Maester Eamon was a little bit enthusiastic and believed in himself and gave some encouraging letters to to his nephew saying, like, yeah. You are. Go for it. Yes. Yes. You must do this and this and this. You are the prince that was promised. Like you, your birth was among salt and smoke. This is like, yeah. And he became this warrior poet of that. He was a uh, he was smart, but at the same time, a warrior. He was handsome, charming, kind hearted. He was Aegon the unlikely reborn in some ways. He was Jaehaerys the conciliator. What could possibly go wrong? But at the same time, I will say that if you let a prophecy that says, and your very narrow-minded interpretation of the prophecy, this is what, quite frankly, dooms the Targaryen dynasty, is is one, we didn't cover it, but Jaehaerys II, like saying, like, first getting wind of this, saying, like, the prince that was promised well, the prince that was promised can only be born from pure Targaryen bloodstock, right? No. How do you know that? Well, I mean, like, we never get we never get the source material, so we yeah, can't actually yes. dissect it. But certainly, I mean, I mean, and Rhaegar wasn't really charming. I mean, he was melancholy. He was kind of a broody type of guy, which yes, I mean, certainly, certainly, you know, if that's your thing, you know, more power to you. Uh, but, you know, you can kind of see he's kind of, you know, poetic and maybe that that gets, be, uh, you know, that's something that people would like. But, uh, you know, he was he really was very remote. He, they said he only had a very few friends, so he wasn't really charming, but uh, he was he, he's cer- I think you could certainly see, you know, because he was accomplished at so many things. There was certainly that sort of ideal, kind of a lofty, unapproachable nature to him that, you know, like if he, and uh... Bit yeah, like yeah, a bit like, bit like yeah, bit like Aegon the Conqueror, yeah. Um, because certainly he he was uh, he was definitely uh, you know few few friends. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, type yeah. type of guy. But uh, you know, but you know, you you see, he's when the whole Stefan Baratheon marriage trip falls through. Ares says, "All right, well, which you know, we we have to get someone Westerosi. So who is the most remote family that we yeah. can? And and that's the Martells because there's there's cultural contention between the uh, the Dornish and the Reachmen and Stormlanders. Uh, so he says, well, let's we'll, we'll get Elia Martell. I I honestly though think that if uh, if Renly was born uh, a, a female, then that would have <laughs> been the, the match he would have made. Because I mean, the Baratheons are." have that that own that t- that targaryen ancestry but you know s- such as the case it yes. may be they went martels uh you know for for the sole sake of making sure he was politically isolated but uh you know again you know he's he makes friends with the, i mean his squire is a mooton 
Um, he's friends with John Connington. Uh, you know, Rhaegar builds a faction just because he's the crown prince. Well, yeah, he, of course you do. And, he, he, yeah. <laughs> so, you it know, just happens. Uh, so like, well, that's why I said earlier about like just power, like inherently breeds a faction. Yeah, and if you're in dynastic politics, you know, being a family member is naturally going to make you you know, a political power in your own right. And you saw that with uh, Daron the Second. Daron the Second was a big, uh, he was a faction leader in the time of his father. Yes. And you, you see you see that with him. I mean, you, they, they say that as things go on, uh, you know, the factionalism gets going and you have Ares because now both of his best friends are dead. Well, no, sorry. One best friend is dead and one is eternally sworn enemy, enemy, enmity to him so yeah. i mean that friend that friendship is dead the is, man is, is dead. very yes. much alive yes well uh, and so and this yeah. is a great thing of we can talk about it now is like already the the false spring the spring has turned into uh, yeah has clearly been false of that of that when theoretically westeros could have been so united so at peace and so prosperous Ares has created factionalism yep and he is he has now become uh, of quite frankly a little bit and where obviously Rit- Martin takes influence he's becoming Richard II of just landlord not king of just like that all he wants is like and like a landlord just gets what he wants that's all he cares about yeah. just money and exploitation and well, getting and he's, wants he's throwing, and not being he's throwing a king. out competence yeah he's throwing out competent administrators to specifically staff his council with people who laugh at his jokes like i mean that's that's the real i mean you can talk about all you know i mean because we talk about big moments but there's also the structural things that we talk about and that's really the structural thing you know he swept out the old guard maybe maybe the old guard was stodgy but yeah. you replaced them with a dynamic hand. Now yeah. he's not replacing them with a dynamic hand. Now he's replacing well, them specifically with people that are his his toadies. Yes. So okay, that then we should cover the final insults, the the final middle finger okay. that, that that was like just truly made it where it's like where Tywin could not pretend anymore. Oh yeah. To even like yeah. remotely like deal with <laughs> with him anymore of just that of just that in the middle of. Oh, actually, no. We, we should talk about about what what causes it is this big pivotal moment that we'll, we. I don't know how long we'll talk about it, but the tourney of Harrenhal. Oh yeah. The turn of Harrenhal is is the pivotal moment where things truly change. Yeah, fundamentally. Cause, and cause this I, is the I wanted to build. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to build it up so that we could. So because you now you know now we have this faction, we have this Rhaegar faction, we have Tywin. You know, angry angry Tywin pretty much divorced from him and Ares is building up more and more this private own faction of lickspittles and and cowards and opportunists but now there's one more faction we have to talk about first and that's okay. the Southron ambitions faction mm-hmm. so and and this is interesting cuz the uh, the connective tissue between you know the war or the Roberts rebellion and this War of the Nine Penny Kings is the Southron Ambitions. So for those who don't know, Southron Ambitions is written with a theory developed by Stefan Sasse of the uh, Boiled Leather uh, Audio Hour. And um, it basically said he, he's looking at it and he's like, wow, there, there was really a lot of cross-regional fosterages that didn't 
happen, certainly to that extent that we saw in the uh, in the books. Usually you see fosterages and marriages happen within the kingdom. So Northmen marry Northmen, Westermen marry Westermen, and so on and so forth. But uh, then he said, you know, we have uh, John Aaron uh, uh, fosters Robert Baratheon and Eddard Stark. Uh, you know, Rickard Stark uh, marries A quintessential Brandon Northman and a quintessential so- Southerner. Yeah, and so then you have, I mean, you have Brandon Stark. He's got his friends, and one's a Malister, and one's a Royce. Um, so, you know, you really start to see this this alliance network start to build out. And where he said was, it's like, well, certainly, you know, this came from Barbary Dustin, who was saying, it's like, and Rickard Stark had ambitions, South Ron ambitions, uh, sort of thing. It's a great scene. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic to Barbara Dustin, but she's a phenomenal character. So I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not trying to, to denigrate her in, yeah. in that way. I okay. think she's an amazingly well-written character. But uh, certainly, you see that this, this alliance network. You see the Tullys, the Baratheons, the Aarons, and the Starks. That's four of the great kingdoms of Westeros, and they're doing their own thing now. They don't necessarily have a big art. Uh, plan laid out but certainly that political block is a power that you could actually see something worrying about so i mean certainly they're talking about the Rhaegar and the Ares faction but then you have this also south ron ambitions faction specifically built in the in the fires of war i mean you had brendan tully and uh, you know hoster tully met the father of peter baelish and eventually fostered him you had all of these people, this is what I said before about the this idea of the uniting vision that Jaharis II was the person who actually built a united Westeros in, in one fleeting moment of war, <laughs> is that this idea, uh, the problem is, is that Jaharis the, the, the II wasn't there. He was too, considered too feeble to go on campaign. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly you see when Ares just starts to go, you know, starts to just go off on this and all of these people are like wait a minute i mean certainly we were just we were friends before but now we're starting to think hey you know the targaryens are kind of a threat all the time like even egg like first off they hate egg yeah. because you know of all those pro small folk reforms but then summer hall happens and it's like well okay so egg we didn't like his ideas his policy ideas because he was half a peasant but you know this is this is you know he wasn't a you know, cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Yeah, but he goes and does this whole summer hall thing, and whoa, whoa, wait a minute, that's that's bad news. Even when these guys aren't, you know, the the Magor bloodthirsty or the um, you know, the Annie's weakness. You know, these guys are kind of bad for us. And then you look at you know, the Dagon Greyjoy raided the West Coast, and the Starks and the Lannisters to take care of it. And it's like this this kind of this decline is a pattern at this point. Yes. It's become more and more clear that that the yeah. the, the yeah, without, Iron without Throne the is a bit more yeah. more self obsessed and, and hollow. Yeah, without, it's hollow too. That's yeah. the thing is that it's 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 a paper tiger without these dragons. I mean, Absolutely. certainly that's what yeah. that's certainly what Egg thought is that there was a paper tiger without dragon, a paper dragon, so to speak, <laughs> uh, mummer's <laughs> a mummer's dragon to, yes. to borrow. Uh, but uh, so now now that you have you know. This big, this big political faction. You have the Rhaegar faction, you have the Ares faction, and then you have Tywin, and he's a wild card at this point. Uh, no, actually, no, he's not a wild card because he's actually making inroads with the 
Southron Ambitions faction because he was the one that suggested the Jamie Lannister uh Tully. Yep. Uh, yeah, Lysa. And I mean, you want to talk about counterfactuals. That's <laughs> a heck of a that's a heck that of a is, counterfactual right there. That is. Uh, kind of a granddaddy, certain, but yeah. But now now let's go and I'm going to uh, cede it back to you to build up this great attorney at Heron Hall. As long as you reference Howard Hughes, you must reference Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes? Uh, oh, you don't know? Okay, I'll, oh, I'll okay, reference okay. Howard. Yeah, I'll oh, reference know, him for Aries. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. All right, yes. Now I understand what you're saying. Okay, so, yeah. So, in the middle of, of all this, suddenly came the attorney at Heron Hall. And Heron Hall, the great mangled shadow of 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 king heron the black's vanity still a great castle even though this now creepy haunted castle it was the best castle to to host a possible great council because suddenly and suspiciously not since really the the tournament at ashford had there been such a grand presence of of great lords not just lords but great lords well, and every, royalty, everybody, was, everybody, there. everybody was, there. was there. And it may, made a lot of later historians kind of scratch their heads and wonder, I'm forgetting the exact name of the Lord of Harrenhal at the time, but the Lord of Harrenhal was not a rich Lord. Well, no, he all. is. I mean, Harrenhal is a wealthy, is a wealthy thief, but the, the prizes he was offering were like way high, like like three times yes. as high as they were supposed to as on average. So, so it's just like how can you afford this? Who's really funding this? Big question mark. And the rumor that at this time Ares got who Jamie Lannister said later was the worst person ever to be in, in King Ares court. This little little eunuch from from Essos mm-hmm. called Varys, and Varys whispered, would always do what he was was supposed to do, whispered into Ares' ear, and said, "It's a secret great council, my king. They want to either have you resign or be subject to a regency." So, Ares II, by this point, after Duskendale, understandably, I will say, was utterly terrified of going out of the Red Keep. And he had never left the Red Keep in years. And he had... And so, everyone was astonished in the middle of this, whatever this tourney was truly going to be, when it was suddenly announced that the king was coming out of the Red Keep to greet them and view this tournament. And what they saw was not a regal man, but this strange Howard Hughes-like figure with long, ugly hair, a hideous face, and garish long nails. And Ares was not an old man, but he looked it. But looking at it, you thought he was a 70-year-old. 
Yeah, no, and so for those who don't know about who Howard Hughes was, Howard Hughes um, was he yes. was a film tycoon and a, a record-setting aviator, and he was this young, handsome, gregarious guy, and then he became a recluse, and he for he never cut his hair or his fingernails, and so when people saw him and they just saw this transformation, it's this this Howard Hughes moment of everyone's like, wait, this is our king. And it's just, it's so, it's such a great image that I wish, I mean, I personally don't like adaptations uh, into the written thing. I, I mean, or into the, into the film thing. I, I like the written word, <laughs> but you could do, you could do this one really well, mm. I think. It'd be interesting. Uh, like, uh, of all the possible prequels, Martin has flat out said, "No, you will never do Robert's Rebellion." No, never. and 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 you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yes. Uh, but I mean, that's what you have histories and lore for. But yeah. But just yeah, it is a great image. It is quite frankly a great image of just like what the hell, and that's our king. Yeah. Especially after after and during the the tourney, you have all these legends and all these this false spring, this period where where you get Lyanna Stark weeping uh, and be, after being so moved by a song sung by Rhaegar Targaryen, which his bro- her, her brothers teased her for. The, ha- the haughty, proud, and strong Lyanna crying? <laughs> well, I mean... Odd. Well, and quite moving. I, I, unless, I mean, my, my image of that is always, it's just... Rhaegar uh, is actually just just a college student playing Wonderwall <laughs> in, in the quad, and it's like uh, that. That's the that that's the thing I get I get from that. But I ha- if I don't dunk on Rhaegar every every uh, every so often, people very will well not. Yeah, book. <laughs> well, if, if if I don't dunk on him, then people will not believe that I'm real. <laughs> They'll believe I'm an imposter. Uh, okay, fair enough. But I mean, yes, Jenny of Old Stones. The- one of the last great episodes of Game of Thrones. That is beautiful song, beautiful song that they made for the that show. And singing about Summer Hall. That's another interesting little fold into it. And there you also had Ned, shy Ned Stark dancing with with his with that woman, that Ashra Dane. Legendary beauty Ashra Dane. Yes, and at least if you trust Barristan. Yeah, no, not just Barristan. You also oh, yeah, hear no, every, Cat, every, Catlin's, every, everybody Catlin's that, clenched, yeah. clenched teeth like reference to her is that yeah everyone knew she was gorgeous and the the fairest woman of the day kind of and and so we get to the the final in the middle of this. And as not as discussed as obviously there's a big flashy two big flashy moments that kind of take more interest, but in great policy of middle finger and also great teenage thinking by the way, Jamie Jamie Lannister, Tywin Lannister, the great Tywin Lannister's golden boy, first son, golden boy and heir, comes up and says, "Will you make me a knight of the King's Guard?" Well, no, that's that's not how it happens. It's like uh, Cersei manipulates Aerys yes, to do yeah. that, 
And Ares is like, wait a minute, I can really stick it to Tywin now because now he has to name Tyrion his heir. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I win again. Well, it, it, it was it was Jamie who who approached King Ares at the tourney of Harrenhal and said like, will I can I become a member of the Kingsguard? And for Ares, like this is the perfect moment for what you just said of just like, <gasps> I mean like it's it's Cersei who who gave him the idea jamie the idea of like if you become yeah. a knight of the king's guard we can be together all the time we and do so he's get, like yeah we do uh, get conflicting stories as to how of who germinated the idea and why but or when you know when and why well no we know why we know why we just don't know when but and this is um jamie lannister getting getting a little bit of the of that sandor clegane cynicism about knighthood of where it comes in because at the middle of the tourney of, of Harrenhal, even though it's this not exactly the best king ever to get it happen, he gets knighted, he gets the white cloak, he gets the white armor on. He is a member of the King's Guard, the most elite knights ever at sixteen. Yep. And then immediately afterwards it's like, Well, can I stay at the ter- her- tournament and perform? And just Ares immediately, No! You're now mine, not Tywin's. Go back to watch over the princess and the queen. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and then it's just so, like it's like, yeah. and I was like, oh wow, and instantly like, court of arrested development. I've made a huge mistake. Yeah, yeah, the, like, uh, yeah, the anchor man. I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like immediately like, whole, oh my gosh, of like, and that that Jamie Lannister is now just he was only knighted to spite his father well and no he was spite. already knighted he was knighted at the uh oh well not not knighted, but, but like brotherhood. But yeah. Made, made, the, yeah given the white yeah given the white give the white cloak just to spite his father yeah and like even jamie like naive as politics as he is at that point like understands like oh well because uh, then because he was all about well yeah i get to be with cersei because cersei's in in king's landing and then you know afterwards Tywin resigns his handship and takes Cersei. Yeah, because like, and it's just the perfect like Tywin's like, oh, like, and I can't do anything about this, and he could, quite frankly, yeah. do nothing about it because it was on paper a great honor to, that 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 Ares was doing. And also, you know, Jamie, you know, Tywin can't reject it because Jamie is a knight, anointed knight, which means he's an adult. So. Yeah. I mean, even even if he was being like, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, oh, it's so, so silly. Yeah, I think it's like because uh, I mean, I think Jamie got the news when he was at Cast of the Rock. So he's going he's excited to go to to Harrenhal going, yeah, just get through this and I can be with Cersei. And then all of this crap happens. Yep. And so and that. And that's the moment that's truly like now it's just like it's fully just like you stole my heir, my golden boy, my heir. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue brood and ignore the obvious thing of that now Ty- Tyrion is my heir because it's like I can't stomach Tyrion being my heir. Yeah. But but that's the that's it for the great handship of Ty- Tywin Lannister. And luckily so far Tywin Lannister would be the last person to peacefully not only survive being a former hand of the king, but lived with his riches and everything. Yeah, after say, Tywin, yeah they... every, as Tyrion points out, after after Ty, after Tywin, 
every Hand of the King will be killed, poisoned, or exiled and, and die in disgrace. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, I think the, the Lord of Long Table gets, gets the nicest one, uh, the nicest end after him, because he is not murdered. Yeah. And, uh, he... I was like, like he, he actually gets a, uh, you know, a, he was like he marries and has a kid and the kid comes back and actually takes over Long Table, I think, or something, something like that. But it's like, no, it's like John Connington, yeah, uh, the Lord Cahorus, yep, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. Pice, or what's his name? Uh, shoot, uh, one of the wisdom, Rosart, Rosart. <laughs> Rosart. Well, yeah, well that, well that Jamie's like, why don't they call me the Handslayer? <laughs> nope. I mean. Yeah, no one cares about that. What happened to Rosart at all? Oh well, you kill one king. Yeah. What's that? That old joke, you know. You know, I built, <laughs> I built a third, I built uh, tables for thirty years, but they don't call me the. De- but you, you know, yeah, you, you know the joke. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so then we have also the the night of the laughing tree, which kind of it, it's a minor scandal. A mystery knight shows up and beats a couple of people and demands that uh, the, the knights teach their squires courtesy. So it's a minor scandal with a mystery knight because Ares goes just he's like, I know it is. It's Jamie Lannister. He's come back to to defy me. Rhaegar, go find him. And Rhaegar's like, I only found was a, you know, the, the shield sitting yeah. beneath a tree. Um, certainly that that's a you know that's a that's a fun, you know, that's a fun scandal moment, but it's really not anything. Yeah. I mean, More it's, than the good story, but yes. Yeah, it's like it's like, oh, that's interesting. But then the the finale comes. Yes. And and Rhaegar wins the, the final joust <sighs> oh, against yeah. who was it against? It was against Arthur Dane, Gerald Hightower. I think it was Arthur Dane. Uh, was the was the the final match. I keep on thinking it's Barrison, but no, it's not Barrison. It's yeah. Oh no, you might be right. It might be Barrison. Uh, but it was one of the certainly was one of the Kingsguard. But Rhaegar wins, and he drops the crown of blue roses. Yes, and so and the moment all the smiles died. Yes, such a good line. I adore. And if anyone has it, I'm gonna open up and just look at it right now. But that drawing done by in the world of ice and fire for this moment is so magnificent. Of one um, to drop a little bit of art, art criticism of having of having Liana's face be the, the point of focus in the painting. Oh yeah, and and like and the look on everyone's face of having of like of of it, it, when you look at this of just everyone is stunned and you can see Robert like holding back <laughs> Ricard. Uh, Brand- st- no, Brandon. It's Brandon. Brandon Rickard Stark, wasn't there. Yeah. Brandon yeah. Stark and and Ned just right next to her, just being so stunned. Yeah. And, and also it, and also Robert like clenched fist and like a yeah. grimace on his face, and Ares looking up like like the Grim Reaper at it. Yeah. And then you like, have and Elia too. You can see. And Elia. yeah, Elia is in there. Elia is in there too. Yeah. And one thing I don't think people remember about this is that. Elia is also pregnant at this time. She's she's carrying Aegon, uh, Aegon the infant at the, at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's like it's like after Rhaenys was born, she had a six months convalescence, and then if so, if if and then by like two eighty early two eighty two, Aegon was an infant. So this is the the point in time 
where she is. I mean, she may not know she's pregnant, but I do believe she does. I do believe they say at some point that she was pregnant. At this point. So it's, wow, it's that, that's even, even more worse. scummy. Oh, wow. Yeah, we know exactly how thrilled he was. Like, like what name shall we give him? He, what other name than Aegon? He is the prince that has been promised. He is the song of ice and fire. And yeah. there must be more. So, the dragon must have three heads. Yeah. So, <sighs> so you, you can definitely see with, uh, with, with this one moment, you can see that he, he angers the Starks. Uh, he, ang- he angers the Baratheons. And the, he the strongest the Mar- allies of House Targaryen, pretty much. And, and the Martells, he angers the Martells. So so he's got, he hit three great houses in one minute, which is, I mean, talk about efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, but I mean this is yeah. where you can really see the, this, as you were saying, this false spring come, come to pass. Cause it's like, this guy is not thinking here because, you know, yeah, from, a, from a political it's... standpoint, let's, let's ignore the prophecy standpoint for a second and look at it from a, a strictly political situation here. So we know that that's going to anger the Starks and the Baratheons because, you know, Lyanna's betrothed to Robert Baratheon. So that's going to bring in the Aarons because yeah. John Aaron is fostering both a Stark and a Baratheon. So, so now you have an entire, the Northeast, you have basically angered, you know, now that the Martells are also incredibly annoyed. Yeah. So you can't, so, you know, counting on them from support is going to be kind of, you know, really in order to get their support, you're kind of having to say, look, you know, Elia's doing fine right now on Dragonstone, but which I mean, that's not. I mean, you know, that's the the whole hostage situation. Uh, but he's he's pissed uh, off the entire east coast of Westeros. <laughs> and, and okay, and let let me like vent my own thing. Is like, oh gosh, okay, like I understand like the romantics out there, and within fandom itself, love to like paint this as like. Oh, like true love of just like that, that really like, oh, no, no, no. They loved each other. And this is like a beautiful romantic gesture. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is in some twisted, insane way it is. But he's married. Yes. And his wife is right there. Yeah. Right there as he does this. And she's betrothed. And she's betrothed to someone who really digs her and is pretty open is well known for not exactly being like the most tolerant and like patient of oh yeah i mean i mean you've got two hot-headed you got you know her her brother and robert famous hotheads yeah just just, it's like oh my god it's like i mean it's like at at this point like i said you can see he's not he's not acting the way of a political leader should That's and i mean like, you know it, it is it is something like honestly this is something you honestly would expect from from Aegon the unworthy of like oh yes so bold and dickish and insane it's like yeah. this is actually a moment where i do believe you're Aerys' son because like are you mad are you insane like what what are you doing yeah, and, and like and even if you assume, and, and, oh, yeah. and even if you assume, and like we'll we'll get into it later, or we can get to it now. Yeah, let's get to it like, now. Like, yeah. like even if you assume the best, the best of Rhaegar, like I personally think he might have, 
of like one if he even if he did like consensually kidnap liana still zero explanation at all for why you did this what the hell you were doing what the hell you were thinking yeah no planning no planning like, this is like yeah there's no plan it's like this is like so like there's no way this is this doing this of like and like you know who your father is like how 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 rickard is go how how i keep on saying rickard i'm sorry how brandon is going to respond to this how robert is going to respond to this I mean, well, I mean, even Rickard, I mean, at this point, because, you know, there's no explanation. Yeah, actually, this no, is, yeah, this is a kidnapping. This is a kidnapping. This yeah. Is, this is brigandry. This is straight up highway brigandry. Like, you don't do this. And this is straight and up, I mean, this is straight up Meg or the Cruel. This is when, like, it's like, no, you're not king. Like, you are straight up, like, you have, like, yeah. a lord, a prince cannot do this. Yeah. A prince cannot do this. This is straight up no. No, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, it's like it's honestly even it's like at least for his first three wives, Megor was like clearly like the, his wives were into it. Well, first wife. Yeah, not I'm much, saying, saying, no, two, no two she, was, she, she wasn't into it. No. Well, OK, right, right. Wife, wives two and three were more open to it. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Tiana, the torturer was also, you know, Tiana, the torturer. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But and, uh, well, yeah, but yeah. so. But let, let, here's the thing that, that I find the best. So, because I know I'm a military guy, and you, you know that's the type of thing. So, let's assume that he knows at least a little bit more about what's going on than, than you know, the regular guys. So, he knows that there's, you know, he's going to need a prince that was promised. They're going to need to lead an army against the uh, the others, the dead who walk, essentially. All right. Yeah. Okay, let, let, let's assume that. Okay, let, let, so, that's so, a big so stretch, but okay, sure. Okay, but no, okay so, the so, others that, that... Okay, all right, I'm going to say it right but, now. No way he could, could have seen the others, unless he has, like, some but certainly some Blood he, Raven little, like, flash of that. Like, no way, no way. the prince that was promised is a military leader and will yes. need to, to, to yes. save the world. Okay, so, so I'm mean, not saying we don't need the others. We don't, it doesn't need to be the others, but we have to, we know that he's got to be a military leader for something. Yeah. Right, so 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 let's assume this. This makes it even worse because he's throwing away the army he's leading. He's supposed to be leading. Like that's that's what that's what really gets me from a military standpoint is he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've now completely thrown the people that you're supposed to be leading. They they hate you now. They're not gonna come when you call. Like that's the- and like literally Ares has to hold Dorn hostage. He has to literally hold the Dornish princess and her yeah, first, heirs hostage. No, first Lewin Martell get... and then Elia. So he, he does yeah. it. He, first he holds his old Kingsguard hostage. And then he holds – then when he has to lead um, at uh, – when when Dorn, the Dornish levies reach the capital, they, he switches them out for, for Elia. Um, but yeah, it's like – you know, it's like what part of this – what part of this was a good idea? Where in what fantasy world are you are you in where this ends up working out for you? <laughs> and okay, I don't want to believe. And I'm gonna straight up say it right now. I don't believe like I think D and D messed up big time. Like no way. Like even if you assume the absolute best, I think Rhaegar had to in his mind see like I am Aegon the Dragon. I will have multiple wives like Magor and Aegon. 
I have yeah. two wives well, now. Like, even yeah. if you assume that, that's still like, uh, you know how well that went the last time a king tried to do that? Well, yeah. If if you ever say, I'm going to do, and then your thing is like Magor, the answer is no, that's not a good idea. If you, if your sentence has, it'll be just like Magor, that, that is not the sentence you want to have for your, for your kingship. So and now okay, we see, yeah, so now we see say, this. Wrong. I, I want to also Sorry. point out again, another thing. If we even assume that, that, that D and D are right. And that's what Martin is thinking. And I don't think that's right. But, but even if we do that, like he would annul his marriage to Elia. Oh God. No, that would be an open no. declar. Oh. That would be an open declaration to Dorn of like saying, well, hell no. No, Aegon right here is the rightful heir. Oh, yeah. Hell no, no. That's, that's a civil war. That's a civil war. I, I believe I believe Rhaegar would be that. Honestly, like I could see Rhaegar being that dumb, but like, oh, yeah, I, I don't want to believe he would be that dumb. Because <laughs> I just like that's I mean, we're both like scratching our heads like, what the hell were you thinking? It's this just, is it, so dumb. It hurts so much. It. It does. It's just, it hurts my brain that it's much. Like, to... It's like, you, to quote Rome, you think with your penis? I'm like, what the hell? Like, I mean, you think, I mean, he, he's got, he, that's the thing, he's got, he's, he's got, he's got his head on this, this idea, this, this, this magical this, this, conception yeah. of this prophecy. And like, that's, that's oh, the, the song of ice and fire. That's it's the, the Targaryens and Starks. That's what it is. Yeah. How do you I mean, know? And, and I mean, and my, I mean, the thing I love the best about this is like, wait, so you're saying the most generous interpretation of Rhaegar, of Rhaegar's actions we can do is he read about it in a book? That's, <laughs> that's, that's the apex of your argument? It's like, <laughs> oh, I, I read That's about, way funnier than when you put it like that. <laughs> I read it in a book. Okay. Okay, Rhaegar. Wow. Congratulations. It's, you it's have like, definitely earned the, you know, the title, you know, you have definitely earned your place in the kingdom of rot here, right next to your father. It's just, just like, um, wow, uh, I mean, like, he's supposed to be the, the, the smart one. Uh, well, I mean, certainly Ares, Ares, I mean, you know, that's okay, like saying I'm better than I mean, Ares, but yeah, I mean, like, even, even Ares. I don't know, I mean, between his siblings, like Daenerys and Viserys, I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean we I don't, guess we don't, Danny, but yeah, is the smartest well, one of them, but still. Well, Viserys, I mean, we, I mean, you could, you could do an entire episode about Viserys, because um, I mean, there's a, there's some, there is some tragedy to him. It's oh, yeah, completely absolutely. undeserving yes. of, tra- of, of sympathy, but there is tragedy to him, and certainly you can, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it's complicated. It's a, it's uh, a complicated. Uh, Sympathy is different than empathy. You should never empathize with him. You can sympathize with him because sympathy you, is pity. You can sympathize. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. That was my mistake on on the verbiage there, but yeah, no. You can you can feel bad for certain things that happen to him. Yeah. You can also say, you know, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't validate you, yeah. validate your conduct through the books. So yeah. okay, so now we've got Rhaegar has now completely just thrown. I mean, there's really and and okay, so let's talk about it. Of of course, and wh- why I'm extremely critical of Rhaegar is that he knew what his father was. And if you being the smarter one know what your father is and you've just done this absurd thing, like how do you think your father is going to explain or justify or react to this? Yeah. So, and then, and so like, yeah. And then, and so then we have Jamie Lannister 
watching and all these people watch as yeah lord rickard is burned alive yep. and brandon stark strangles himself trying to save yeah it's and it's so this is really and, this and is then where immediately the, afterwards yeah. gallingly gallingly a kingsguard said to jamie who could obviously tell what was on his mind we serve our king no matter what yeah you swore an oath to to guard our king not to judge him and it's like okay this is this is i mean this is where you say because i think it was gerald hightower so this is where you say aha this is where you can say 100 percent unequivocally these king's guard have forsaken the oath of knighthood for the oath of the king's guard yes which which you shouldn't be able to do because you have to be an anointed knight to be a king's guard. But I mean, you know, you, we don't get the full we don't get the full oath of And this the, is why it is quite we, frankly we only a get, rotten age. Yes. Yeah. We don't get the full oath of the knighthood. We only get a, a snippet of it in uh, the hedge knight. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we we know that they say uh, I swear I swear to be just. I swear to defend all women. Um so, you know, there, there's there's certain aspects of it. Um, so, you know, what part of watching, you know, you know, he says, I demand a right by trial by combat. OK, if you don't burn to death, you survive. <laughs> like, hmm. OK, so that's not just I mean, you know, you hear I mean, because I mean, it, Jamie is traumatized when he hears about after Ares burns somebody, he um, uh, he ravages uh, his wife Rayla. Yeah, and I mean, and he's guard- he's supposed to be he's supposed to be guarding Rayla, but he lets that happen to her. And Jonathan Derry says, you know, he, he goes like, James, like, aren't we supposed to guard her? And he says, you are, but not from, from him. The, yeah. And 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 then so you're thinking, wait a minute, I I don't remember the oath of knighthood saying. I am to guard all women, except it, it doesn't say that. It, I mean, maybe we, we don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't yeah, say. Yeah, pretty sure. Well, no, I mean, no, we do know from the hedge knight of that this yeah, is a I mean, knight who actually did take his oaths. And yeah, a knight here being the awesome guy, he was like, he took his oaths. Yeah, it's like, you know, who, you know, who am I to them? You're a knight who remembered his vows. I mean, and that that's yeah. the big thing. And certainly, I mean, you could talk about the the importance of the 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 image and the myth even if the reality doesn't add up i mean that's that's a running theme in sansa's chapter uh you know arc the story arc but uh, uh so yes <laughs> so now this is the so basically now aries from we're a political standpoint where we might I, I might get into a, a jamie lannister tangent but this is where jamie quite frankly like dunk and other night nightly characters makes a choice well, that's that's later when the when yes. we, we talk. Yeah. But so it's like, uh, you know, this is where Ares basically says, all right, from, from a political standpoint, you'd have no rights besides the ones I deign to give you. Yeah. So anybody. And I mean, you have to remember, he summoned Rickard to to answer for his son. So, I mean, Rickard yeah. was probably thinking it's going to be a ransom. I mean, certainly uh, Brandon was not being a fool, you know, in order to go and appeal to the crown prince abducting your sister, you have to yeah. go to the king. That, that So, you know, people say, oh, well, I mean, Brandon was being stupid by that. It's like, no, that's that's what he's supposed to do. Now, you could certainly say maybe... Well, he's being a bit hot-headed, uh, and, and, and he's, as he says it, but yes. So you could maybe say maybe he should have 
uh, handle it a little bit more tactfully, Rhaegar, I mean, Ares <laughs> wouldn't have cared either way. But, uh, you know, so he summons Rickard uh, and the other fathers of the of um, of Brandon's little band, and then he murders them. Yeah. So there was a guy that did that. His name was Bloodraven, and he was sent to the wall for that crap. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, at this point, Ares says, you know, you have no rights. Every single noble lives under a, essentially a death sentence. Yes. If, and this if is I where feel, he truly is like, fight. and this is what separates him, quite frankly, from Magor, is oh, that yeah. he is he is Magor is a tyrant. That what what I say and liken it to is Magor is a tyrant. Ares is a despot. Yeah. You, oh yeah. No, as he, long as you can live with with what you do, you can live under a tyrant, or at least in your court, in your inner circle, no one and everyone is at is in danger when you're around a despot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he's, he's certainly every, I mean, he, you really see a lot of like the, uh, in the cold war, the tin pot dictatorships that you saw in Africa and the Caribbean and Southeast Asia and South America. These, yes. Basically, you know, they, I mean, even the, the, the idea of this negative selection where he specifically picks incompetent people so that they can't threaten him. And they're, they're just, you know, loyal sycophants who are willing to do anything for the king. Like Hello, death of Stalin. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's that's really what you see when you see Ares at, at this this late stage. Yes. And then of this course, is what he's he's descended into. And then of course Rhaegar comes out of Dorne. You know, has been hiding out there for you know how long, and says, "I am going to fight for my father." Yes. So even okay, even and if he doesn't intend it. And and you can see from when Jamie is talking to him, he says, you know, I will call a council. Yeah. He clearly probably didn't intend it, but that's the message that the rebels are getting is that, hey, yeah, what what I did, what Ares did was okay. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I will, di- you know, maybe we can come to a peace, but it's going to be one that I dictate to you with sword point. So, of course, they're not going to. I mean, and, and you know, maybe you could say, well— Rhaegar kind of knew that he really screwed things up, so he can't uh, – he really can't uh, go up to – with a peace offering because they're just going to say no. Well, yeah. I mean, but he's also, that he, he's also got that, but the, but the, that ego of just like that – Oh, yeah, of, well, the prophecy. Just like, just like possibly the prophecy. It's also that he – of the theoretically of him set, calling an unofficial great council of that, well, I will be the redeemer. I am – I am not the prince that was promised, but I am a great warrior poet who who can do no wrong. Everything I do, I do because it's the I'm guided by this prophecy. Well, yeah, and if the prophecy and, has to happen, you can't die halfway, you know, right before it even yeah. happens. Which you hear mean, all the stories. Yes, I can't yeah, die. Well, yeah, I can't die. I'm the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, I mean, so so that's the mess. The message they get, the rebels get, is hey, I mean, we're not gonna be. You know, nothing, you know, there's nothing. Okay, this is, you know, nothing we can do. So it's not surprising that that's Rhaegar is inextricably tied to the, is inextricably tied to the, what am I looking for? Um, Just just the, the establishment. Well, and the, I mean, side, the, the, so, he's so the one that started the whole thing. So it's not like they're going to trust any peace offer he makes, but he has to at least make the effort because he's the one that caused all this crap. You know, when <laughs> so, if you're the one that screws up, you don't demand that other people 
come up to you. No, you have to apologize first. I mean, he could have at least said he was sorry. Well, it's... Well, by the time he shows up back up, it's like it's way too late for all this. Certainly. And let's... This is also a perfect segue into into our our introduction to our third false prince our our third spring prince yeah. the, the spring prince that really is the best example of of what Aragorn would be like as king in pretty much every other fantasy story Robert Baratheon is the hero of the story i find a lot of I can't name a specific fantasy hero that I would explicitly tie because he isn't like Aragorn. Quite frankly, Ned is more Aragorn in my eyes in terms of like noble, righteous, good man. But uh, but Robert of just like this great, handsome warrior, not the smartest man, but brave, honorable, fighting for a righteous cause against a tyrant. Everything on paper sounds like he's the great hero of of a story. And in this part of the story, he basically is the the great hero of the story. Yeah, well, I mean, Robert's Rebellion is the the quintessential fantasy war. You have all of the right parts. You have the wronged protagonist. You have his his best friend. You know, the the, – his his complete opposite – uh, in most personality ways, but they've got an iron bond of loyalty. He's got the yep. the evil the evil prince. He's got the cackling madman who did the great atrocity. He, you have the noble rival in Barristan Selmy. You have all of the the fantasy elements, and then Tywin Lannister comes through and he's like BRB murdering toddlers. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's part of the end. Let's not fast forward to the end yeah. of that part of the of the fantasy story. Yeah, but it, it's uh, yeah the sack of King's Landing is where the fantasy ends. It's it's, it's I love it. The 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 trident is where the 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 fantasy is written. And then, and I mean, you have it's a duel in the middle of a river. I mean, you yeah. can't be more perfect than that. Can't be more uh, epic. Can't be more grand. It's it's three hundred. It's Arthurian. It's epic. Oh yeah, truly it's, epic it's, of 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 Rhaegar, the crowned prince, and Robert, the rebel leader, yeah. clashing on and, horseback on there. And Martin yeah. loves fantasy. He loves it. And you can tell he loves it by the setup mm-hmm. uh, that, that he, he gives for, for Robert's Rebellion. I mean, it's the same thing with Quentin Martell's story. I mean, that's that's basically, uh, you know, given fantasy the, itself, the old critical eye. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, well. but so Robert and then Robert you can see where the the rot shows when we get to King. I mean, because it's like you know, even even you know, Robert gets wounded, but he sends his maester to the the, the noble Barristan Selmy, who yep. is also taken yeah. cap, captive, and that's what causes him to say, "No, my great best friend, you can carry on the fight because I know and I love you and I trust you." Yeah. And and meanwhile, like I said, it, like I said before, Tywin Lannister is in the back going, gotta murder me some babies. Well, uh, it's not exactly that, but we'll, we'll, OK, yeah. so first and for. First and foremost, it, it, when we talk about this and we, we've been talking in this series wonderfully about power structures and the king has divorced all of the contract with the lords 
Oh yeah, the feudal for, for being is, is the tatters. feudal is is utterly tatters, and basically it's impossible. It is utterly impossible for a rebellion not to happen by what has just yeah. happened. Like John Aaron would have to be an utter Tywin Lannister, quite frankly, yeah. to just like let let's say like I'm not gonna surrender the kids that I've been fostering. Who are basically my sons because I don't have any sons right now. Rhaenyra ordered Lord Mooton to do the same thing. And that was considered so bad that he was able to change his banner. And not only did he change his banner, but they made him a regent for it. Like, you know, they wouldn't say, you know, you're too dishonorable. You changed your your cloak. No, you you ordered him to violate guest right. Of course, then of course it's okay. Well, yeah, well, that's a whole other can of worms that go back to our other episode on that one. That one's like a woman scorned can often do, think, ask irrational things. Although and I, I wouldn't extend it to just women. I'd just say anyone scorned that. that oh yeah. Well, does, even, yeah. No, no. Ir- irrationality is not, is not the, uh, doesn't, you know, neither, no one, no subset of humanity ever has a monopoly on irrationality. No. Yes. So anyways, uh, the, and so it is interesting, though, because because Robert's Rebellion is at the same time very ad hoc. Yeah. And, and just it's a testament to Robert's brilliance in that when the Battle of the Bells is the, the quintessential moment where it suddenly it dawned on everyone how serious it was when the Hand of the King is defeated by Robert Baratheon, when all of when the people support the rebels over over the king mm-hmm. and Robert is victorious. That is like, Oh my gosh, we have another Damon Blackfire. This is r- a serious threat to the iron throne. This is real. But at this point, like it was also interesting that there was no real stated goal until you get to forming alliances and Sothron ambitions in a way is that when Ned ends up forming the alliance with with River Run uh, of marrying Catelyn in in Brandon's place, maybe spurning Ashra Dane. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Good bad. question. And well, I mean, at that point, they're on opposite sides of the war. I mean, that's that's tragedy right there. Yeah, true enough. And and meanwhile, John Aaron marries Lysa to mm-hmm. Lysa's fury, and and that's when Robert finally makes the announcement and. It probably was in discussions for quite a while, but it's like it, I said. Well, if the if the final, well, not the final, but the the penultimate chapter of a Game of Thrones is anything to go by, the the Northern Council that acclaims Rob King, it, yeah. it was almost certainly like that, and probably bigger because there were four different component regions. But certainly, you can see that at that point now, all of the senior leadership is in place, and not only that, but all of the most if not all of the vassals are in place. So I mean, at this point, they can shout, they can scheme, they can leave the hall and huff and come back later and yep. all, all the sorts of fun and happy stuff. But also Rhaegar at that point has said, you know, I'm fighting for my father. So clearly, no, there is no reconciliation. You're not going to put, you're not going to like put the only Ra- thing uh, that, Aegon. Like, yeah, it's like Aegon or, or Viserys are your only options. And no, the, and like they've already, and they read their history Putting a, a a toddler or a kid in charge is never yeah. well. I mean, a great 
a great what idea. happened what happens when that kid goes to you know grows to adulthood would they still hold a grudge i mean that's a risk and certainly yep. i mean you know all of the people are willing to follow robert and certainly this is the that idea of claim and a claim you know robert that has this tenuous link to essentially the targaryen throne that elevates him over someone like john Aaron. i imagine uh if i may and do a tiny bit of acting i imagine the high septon was like this Behold, Robert of House Baratheon, son of Stephon, son of Rayla, daughter of Aegon, fifth of his name, king of the Andals, the Roynar, and the first men. By lawful ascension, I declare you king. Yeah. I mean, I, I could certainly see that. Um, you know, definitely want to strengthen strengthen that because, I mean, any symbol of legitimacy is useful, especially in a preliterate society. Um where, you know, people will say, uh, you know, this blood quotient, you know, this this blood, that blood, whatever. I mean, you know, you, you people are going to look at a, a family tree and their eyes will glaze over. But the, the heroic <laughs> myth of yes. Ray, of Robert will also help. And that's what Absolutely. I think got a lot yes. of the, you know, a lot of the vassals will say, look, I mean, what's his name? Godric Burrell even says he fights the way a king should fight. <laughs> and certainly that's that's going to motivate uh, anybody I mean, to well, say, you know, like he looked like a king. Muscled, muscled like a maiden's dream. <laughs> I love that line. Oh, and it's Ned that says it too. It's so, it's so good. Oh. Well, well, I mean, yeah, he was a, he was quite a looker. Oh and yeah, no, he was. He was, he, and he like was he, the er, early Henry VIII. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like he's a, he's a man's man. He, well, he's what Edward the Fourth also, young Edward the Fourth, young Edward the Fourth, quite a stud. Quite a handsome, beautiful stud who, yes, like obviously who Robert is based on, had no, no trouble with the ladies. In fact, had trouble controlling himself with the ladies. Yeah, and gotten more than one king in trouble. Yes. And so. And yeah, and he he shared that habit later on. His grandson, Henry VIII, inherited that same libidiousness. That's a good and, word, libidiousness. Yes, yeah, good dictionary word. And so we finally have, and so at this point, it's clear that this is, again, the the false veneer, the promise of the Spring Prince, uh, that this, and I understand why, why, why Ned believed in Robert. Yeah. And why, why Stannis chose love over, Stannis chose love over his king. Hard-minded cerebral Stannis chose love over Robert, love of Robert over his king. Although Robert was a bit too insensitive or just stone-faced to like assume that, of course, he would do that, to like acknowledge, acknowledge and say, "Oh, hey, Stannis, that was a good call. Thanks, I appreciate it." Well, I mean, but yeah, St Stannis and Robert. I mean, I mean, you you can bet like when Stannis tried to outlaw. Uh, prostitution. He probably tried to do it as like, look, Robert, I'm trying to help you, sort of thing. I mean, that's that that's kind yeah. of a stan. That's that's a Stannis. But yeah. um, well, that's a. I just wanted to reference it because if we don't reference Stannis at least at some point in this podcast, people will explode. Oh well, no, yeah, no. Stan Stannis always gets more upvotes. If you reference Stannis, you will get more upvotes than if you do not. Whether it's in Reddit, whether it's in whatever. Yes. You know, Twitter, yes, Twitter, uh, or whatever. I wrote an essay and posted it on Reddit about Stannis and that's my most popular post I've ever done. <laughs> so um 
And so then we get to finally the Battle of the Trident. Robert is victorious. Yep. It's clear how this is going. Now the only question is how long the siege is going to be of King's Landing. That's yep. the only thing that's that's up in the air. And so Ares, being paranoid Ares that he was, was was like in this kind of desperate tyrannical thing that you do when you're a desperate tyrant. You hold hostages to guarantee loyalty. And so, of course, he held, like, while he sent away Rayla and Viserys to Dragonstone, where they would be definitely safe, he was like, nope, Elia, Aegon, and Rhaenys, stay with me. Well, he thought that Lewin Martell Martel betrayed him. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly he, he, yeah. he didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Which, yep, that insane troll thinking yeah. and and but like that makes her doran you're gonna fight for me now because i got your sister and and he's like all I my will. people just died on the trident where where am i going to get more of them like <laughs> i mean but, I got that's the, but yeah but yes well, I mean, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like yeah go and teleport some more uh, Dornish levies to help man the walls of King's Landing, Duran. If you don't, you're a traitor. <laughs> and when history rhymes, a desperate king, just like Aegon a- II, an army was marching on him, and he had no forces. But then an army came, and suddenly it was Tywin Lannister. Oh no, we have to talk now, about uh, the wildfire we, first. Well, I think we can in just... Okay. Okay. You want you want to you, because I was I'm saying the 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 wildfires. He starts like when he hears about that, he orders the wisdoms to do to put wildfire all over. And this is like the, you know, I mean, at this point now he's not even a despot. Now he's a kid that knocks over the board game when he loses. Yes. Like it's just that you know the board game is five hundred thousand people. <laughs> well, although you also, Jamie also thinks like he, he insanely didn't think it was like a suicide no he's nephew. He, gonna... he, he insanely had arion's delusions of of that he would rise from the ashes reborn yeah. as a dragon to Dr- smite draconic, his enemies yeah. draconic ap- apotheosis yeah um, but uh and it's like it's interesting because there is actually a uh there was actually a, a leader that uh, that did that in our history and it was fidel castro he castro? was Castro Castro's uh, uh, notes said that he had planned to, if there was an American invasion of Cuba, he was going to nuke his own soil. Oh. Yeah. Well. Believe it or not. I can believe it. (laughs) So. But then, as you said, yes, the. So. Look to. So on the third day, look to the east. So a desperate man and. And Tywin Lannister very famously just sat all throughout Robert's rebellion. Defenders and attackers say it all had to tie back to Jamie Lannister being a Kingsguard. And so in Ares's clutches, which would make him a bit reluctant to side with Robert. Yep. So then suddenly, my good friend Tywin has come to save me. Oh, Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I know we had our differences. I know I insulted your wife and mocked your, you know, mocked her when she died and 
made my entire policy to spite you, but... And I stole your heir, but you've come to save me, right? And of and of all people, his own son was saying, like, uh, your grace, I, my dad's not like that. I don't think that's what's going to happen. And Varys, the one time he, he gave, in Jamie's mind, good advice, said, yeah, your grace, I don't think, your grace, I don't think you should open the gates. And well, Maester I mean- Pi- Pycelle pulling a, a Varus said like for the good of the realm I think you should you should always trust the Lannisters the Lannisters have always been trustworthy see it's kind of interesting because if Tywin had clo- or if Ares had kept the gate closed what would have Tywin done because then he would have been having to fight Eddard Stark with a vastly outnumbered army with no defensive multiplier in the city well, quite frankly, also, what does he gain other than like making the only thing he he he's fighting for is Jamie, which, yes, he would he would fight for Jamie. But other than that, like he's got nothing to gain from fighting from Air, for Ares. And it's not like, what are you going to now? Like what? What are you going to offer me? What? Uh, Like Cersei, no, she can't get married to Aegon. Or Viserys. What do you got for me? Uh, Hand of the King? No, you're not going to make me Hand of the King. Yeah. I mean, Tywin knew going in there that he was... I mean, he knew what he was going to be doing. Yeah. I mean, he he, he even admits as much as he said, you know, we had to... We came late to Robert's cause, so we wanted to make sure that we cemented ourselves to his cause... By doing the thing, you know, doing the distasteful things that he couldn't, which of course no. meant oh, he says mur- it even better. Murdering. I think like at one point he says like, I did what heroes don't do. It's like yeah, because he said he couldn't, you know, he vi- envisioned himself as a hero, and heroes don't murder children. Yeah, and it's like, um, well, you know, there's these institutions that Westeros has specifically, so you don't have to do that. Which, yes. It, it, it's, it's unnecessary, but I mean, well, it, it is Tywin's just reigns of Casterly, reigns of Castamere attitude of like, huh, if I get rid of the Targaryens, there's going to be no person that ever will prop up Aegon or Viserys. So, hmm. well, I mean, also, you know, the fact that all of those humiliations he endured by, oh yeah, and uh, just from, like it's just from, like payback. From, yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, Tywin likes to pride himself as being a pragmatic Machiavellian, but no, he. His blood runs hot, and when you slight him or make him look foolish, he will visit extreme retribution upon you, and he will not stop himself. And I don't believe he cannot. He can stop himself. When he's when it when he really gets in that mood, yeah, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. So, the sacking of King's Landing. Yep. And this is the telling moment. This is when Jamie Lannister decides: Am I a knight? Or a Knight of the King's Guard. Yeah. And that's symbolically he takes off he, he wears the golden Lannister armor too when he does it. It's it's excellent. And I mean, and he knows it's like, you know, he said he was it Ares orders him to say, Here, go go kill your father. Yeah, kill um, first he, then, he orders him to kill his father, and then he says Let Robert rule over the ashes. And Jamie knew full 
what that meant. Yeah, I mean, he, he was ordering Rosart to go and light the pyres, because then uh, Jamie leaves, kills Rosart, and comes back, and he's like, is that your father's blood on you? And it's like, like no. uh, and, and, no. it's, and it, you know, and Jamie at this point, this is, I mean, he says it's his, his most heroic moment, and certainly by body count alone, 500,000 lives saved is yes. definitely his his most heroic moment. And I said it before, I'll say it again. He is the perfect inverse to Kristen Cole of this one act that defines him. He ended up saving Jamie Lan Sir Jamie Lannister saved thousands of lives yep. in an act that would define him. Yep. So Kristen Cole did something that that ended up costing thousands of lives. Well, I mean, and it's certainly, I mean, you know, he's Jamie. Jamie does it. He's he's got so many mixed parts to him that it's, it's absolutely it's just, he's, yes. such, he's such a gem of a character. Absolutely. And so. He ended up. Slicing Ares throat. And as he stared at the blood, I love that the line is like, this is not how a king should die. Like, is it really just that simple? Yeah. And, well, as, I mean, and as people s stumbled on him and looked at him, they asked, who should we declare as king? And he knew the ambiguity and knew and momentarily mused, I could declare Viserys king just to spite Robert and have father as hand of the king for him. That'd be very good. But he looked at Ares and said that Viserys had too much blood of, Aegon, of Ares in him. And just bitterly said, proclaim whoever you bloody well like. I mean, and certainly, you know, I mean, and he, well, I mean, and to Jamie's credit, he does say, try and get the, st the sack to stop. Ares is dead. Get, yeah. you know, s s save who you can. Which, I mean, you know, again, that's, that's a noble thing to do. You can't fault him for that. I mean, it didn't stop, you know, uh, uh, the mountain and, the mountain uh, and Amory Lorch. From murdering, you know, I mean, Elia and Aegon the Infant and Rhaenys. Um, Did they just, I mean, murder Aegon the Infant? Yes. Did they? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes? Okay. Well. They did. They did. Um, yeah. No, it's the, and it's just, I mean, again, that's where, you know, you see this whole Tywin. And it's just, I mean, the, the big thing with Robert is that, I mean, Eddard well, demands <clears throat> that well, okay. Robert. Yeah. So so let's also talk like as much as we just talked about about Jamie's POV I do understand like from Ned's POV walking in oh, yeah. and rather than going through a, a a siege where he would have just fought where Ned would have just fought siege by siege soldiers of the city watch and that's it he would never have sacked the city ever N Eddard Stark would never do that. He walked in a, a massacred, sacked city, le led by a man who obviously had only just chosen sides when it was impossible for him to be on the losing side. He saw dead baby, dead children presented in red cloaks. And then he saw Jamie Lannister smugly smiling as he sat on the iron throne yeah. with the king he was sworn to protect 
lying in a puddle of blood. And then he just, Jamie got off and snarkily said, Oh, here, if you want, Lord Stark. It was not very comfortable. Just keeping it warm for Robert. And it's like, you can, you can see, because, I mean, at that point, Edward, Edward thought, wait a minute, is this a Lannister coup? Like, are they going to try and grab the city and, and say that they're in charge now? It's like, um, you know, I mean, certainly I could, I mean, and it wouldn't happen. From his eyes, I could just completely see, like, you Lannister scums of crap. Of like, well, wow, yeah. this is what the Lannisters are capable of. This is their, this is what you do. And also, again, the, what what Ned and Sansa and struggle with is the idealism versus reality of like, I fought to rid the realm of a tyrant. I did not fight for for this. Yeah. Like, this is not what I fought for. Yeah. I like, mean, and I and do not want to be associated with this. Yeah. Period. And- what what really killed him, of course, is when when Robert countenance, you know, when he accepted it, when he yeah. just said, you know, because, I mean, he was thinking, all right, well, you know, Robert will get back and he'll say, no, this is unacceptable. This is not what we fought yeah. for. And when he didn't, yeah. when he said, I don't see children, I see dragon spawn. And, um, you know, that yeah. that had to kill Ned inside. And when he, and when he just laughed it off and dubbed Jamie Laster Kingslayer and let him stay on, yeah. Like Jamie, even though we know what we know now, thanks to a storm of swords, it's utterly absurd that Jamie Lannister is still a knight of the Kingsguard after that. It's like that's the wall at least. Oh yeah, no at it, least. I mean that's that's what... a total like you you've sworn to protect your king. And you killed your king? And, you know, I mean, I wonder, because it's like, you know, the that would be, if, if Jamie had said what was going on with the whole, hey, he was trying to murder literally everyone in this city, you know, I mean, that would cause him to really blue screen of death. Uh, because, I mean, the, the kind of the, the, the ad hoc nest, nature of Westerosi morality being what it is, just, yeah. I mean, you know, they're like, they're, they're not really prepared to say, wait, wait, what are we supposed to do with that? Which, I mean, of course, you know, sensible people will be like, well, no, obviously you stop him. You don't yeah. just get to murder a, a, a half a million people because you well, lose Ned, a war. Well, Ned's ultimate code is, is no matter what he say, prioritizes lives of children. That's why yeah. he tries to save – that's why he tries to save Joffrey and Marcella and Tommen, even though it's not politically wise. Yeah. He makes he, – he warns Cersei – because he does will not have the blood of children on his hands. Well, I mean, you know, and you think you think with Renly, it's like he's like, let's go and seize them while they strike, and he's like, wait a minute, seize children in the middle of the night, and you know, anyone, anyone, like if, if Renly had said, hey, what if I approach Eddard and say this, I'm like, wait a minute, are you telling, are you asking me to say what would Ned Stark think if you said, hey, what if we seize children in the middle of the night? Yeah. <laughs> slap slap i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you two i'm gonna give you a forehand and backhand because you deserve it but uh yeah it's like that that that's where you see the rot that's where the rot of robert if you know we're we're getting this this theme that's where the the false spring you know the the luster wears off is when robert accepts it that's where that's where he that's where the allure fades away with robert and, and, then and later, I love Robert, and he's a great character. But yes, that that is part of the flaw is that he he lets his hatred of the Targaryens supersede 
his righteousness. Yeah, I mean, he he he's, he threw away the righteousness of his cause. I mean, this the thing is, you know, Robert couldn't have stopped Tywin from doing it. You know, there's no way he could have. No, no one's no one believes that. But you know, it's again, you know, so it's it's not like that. Robert explicitly ordered it, but I mean, he didn't have to accept it. That's no. the thing. Yeah, but I mean, and the thing is, I mean, what they could have done is rather rather easy. Aegon goes to the wall. And probably and should, I mean, I know uh, Stephen Howell came up with this, made a septon at the wall. So you get that, <laughs> that double that double dose of oaths. Yeah. Um, and uh, although maester, I, uh, I don't know if. Maester don't know or, if, or septon, but yeah. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if a septon uh, being a king is a disqualifier because Baylor was a septon as well. So. And he yeah. was still king when he was that. So that's why I'm not I'm I mean, I think it's a great idea, but I'm not too sold on it. But then, you know, uh Rainey's said, is sent, that's is why sent I said to a mother's house. Yeah. Maester. And, oh, yeah. But Rainey should be sent to a, a mother house and probably sent to a mother house somewhere in the Vale. Somewhere I mean, obviously that would kill yeah. I mean, and then Elia Elia can be sent home and then the the same thing that applied with um what's her name Jane Jane Westerling the two year prohibition on marriage which is yeah. good because yes. uh, Elia's health is so delicate that she uh, she wouldn't be able to handle another childbirth anyway so that's that's perfectly fine but I mean there there was no reason for it and politically speaking it it makes the Martells never reconciles to the Iron Throne well I mean we are being a bit more modern progressive because we don't we just fundamentally don't believe in in hereditary monarchy, but it is a problem of, that is an extreme. Oh yeah, of that, and I do understand like the cold logic and like the way Tywin understands it is like is like, look, Elia, no, like I did not want Elia, and but, come on, Tyrion, so, do you really believe I I expected the way it went down for those two kids to die to die? Like yeah, I ordered their deaths because like yeah, they had to go in his eyes. Because, like, as long as they lived, as long as they lived, there would be some faction that would rally behind them. Yeah, but see, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's where you get the—I mean, because that thing is Robert built a big coalition. So the, the, the thing is, is that it was so unnecessary because—now, I understand, you know, uh, that's well, well, a little well, bit well, of hindsight, a little bit of hindsight. That, that's because, a little bit of hindsight because I will say, like, one, that Tywin had sat out the war and that— there were there were sides like the reach was for the king and and Dorne they have for the first time since oh wow since like David on the second yeah uh since Ares the first the the first time since Ares the first and Makar in that line they they have a king that's that's of their bloodline. Well, like, while I do agree, and so and so there's that that's always like that. We're talking about the Richard the Third problem of like as long as someone can claim legitimacy. Well, certainly, and, gonna be and I understand that. But again, you know, the, the old the other thing is, you know, the the Night's Watch and the the mother the houses Night's Watch is definitely the best. Is the best. Oh, oh yeah. yes. I mean, and that's the thing is because then, you know, if if if, Mar if the Martells rise up and say, we're going to reinstall King Aegon, it's like, wait, you're going to you're going to make a man throw away his black cloak. A, you're never going to be able to reach him because he's on the other way on the other side of the country. And B, it's like, OK, go go ahead and say we are 
we are going to be fighting for King Oathbreaker and see how many supporters that gets you. I mean, but now I, I agree that, you know, in, in the wake of the end of the rebellion, stability, I, I, I'm, you know, you, you could certainly say that Robert need to worry about stability and, and his coalition staying together. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, I'm saying it is complicated, but on the other time, I am also saying, you know, there are institutions in place and these were toddlers and that, yes. You know, okay. Hey, that, that you could, that, that, that you could said, yes. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you shouldn't you be. And like, I, I'm with Ned, you shouldn't be that clinical. It's like, no, that those are kids. Yes. Those and are also, kids. You know, it's, it's it's much more risky for you know like a 15 year old or a 20 year old than it would be for for a baby. Yes, it's 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 the same like it's the same question you do with Viserys and Danny. It's like, come on. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, and that's the thing. And then and you see also like, that well, Robert well, well, gets at talked that, out at that, of at it. At that moment, at that moment, in Robert's Rebellion, later on, you can make much more of a case of like Viserys has got to go. Yeah, no. Well, of course. I mean, he he's raising an army specifically to invade. I mean, he he's declared war on you essentially at that point. But and, I mean, certainly, and, and also it's interesting because again, John Aaron talks Robert out of it, out of killing, you know, sending assassins to kill, um, to kill them when they're tooling around Essos. Uh, so it's 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 just you know it's again it's I mean it's. It makes it's again. It's it just makes Robert more complicated. But you can see this is where the rot is. I mean, and the rot stays because when Lyanna dies, yeah, and Rob Robert has no heart in in actually ruling the kingdom. And you could argue that he probably never had much, uh, you know, much desire to rule the kingdom. The uh, you know, he was he well, loved. He, he yeah, wanted, I mean, he, he's he's a warrior. He's he's a warrior, and he's a. I mean, you know, military aristocracy, so many other king people who were warriors ended up also being good administrators. I mean, Aegon, yeah, Aegon the well, first. Well, yeah, but like that, that that's, well, what, what, um, oh, almost so many characters, I'm forgetting some of the names, I'm sorry. Uh, what uh, Jorah Mormon says is that, like, Robert is a Dothraki in Westeros of that. Mm. And in a way, that's kind of true of that. Of that, he really is. Well, I mean, Some, someone know. like like John John Aaron, or maybe even in some weird way, Ned would have been a better choice for king. In that, from a like a ruler standpoint, Robert makes a lot of sense though on paper. Oh, no, I mean, he, he makes perfect sense on paper. And, you know, he is, he's got a symbol. He can be a leader. And if he had an effective manager, which he did for a while with John Aaron, uh, you can do, but again, you may, and certainly you can see that on the paper and even in practice, a lot of Robert's reign was actually fairly good. I mean, you says, and, you know, a yes, woman, and, a woman I, I, can I'm walk the length much. of the King's road in, in her name day gown. Which, you know, I mean, if for and, those who don't read the being buck naked, <laughs> she can walk, she can walk from... You know, storms then to the wall, buck naked, and no one would bother her, which is obviously an exaggeration. But I mean, look at the aftermath of the Blackfire Rebellion. Red or black is a dangerous question, even yes. now. Yeah. But no, I mean, you see that Robert did a great job when it came to building the the kingdom together. But at the same time, you know, you have the so, the secret marriage pact, and so the Martells are never reconciles. And you have, um, you know, the the 
corruption of his regime just makes and, people and that angry. is where, where where the rot comes in that's, that's where the, where the re- that, that's yeah. where the real sheen because because I, I i'm with you 100 because and we defended robert as a king like robert dying i know you're being sad but no you're you are nowhere near as bad as aries nowhere near no. like aries like robert for all his faults is a competent king he is not a great king by any stretch but he is a competent king like he he's a better version of of Viserys the first yeah of that he doesn't really get involved except when it's something that interests him it's like great joy rebellion oh yeah okay yeah 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 on mm. it but like other than that it's just like eh, john Aaron, john ned can you handle it yeah right politics trade rights yeah. i don't care whatever and it's and, telling oh, my stupid see- nag of a wife oh yeah. ned but it is like, definitely telling to see also how many things need to go in order to really topple the the Baratheon regime. Like you have to have, you know, orchestrating a, a private feud between the Starks and the Lannisters. You have to have Littlefinger embezzling, I mean, huge scores of money and yep. making the, you know, putting the king in debt. Um, because I mean, you know, the the numbers don't add up. And again, this. Yes. To reference well, that's Stephen what, Atwell again. Well, he wrote a great a great essay on it's called a uh, Who Stole Westeros I think is what it's called oh, yeah. about that, how that's what you Tyrion know, you himself at, figures out is like hey wait a minute yeah it's like you like, know yeah like Robert something, is, yeah Robert loved tourneys and state stuff, of Denmark but, here yeah. yeah yeah Robert loved tourneys and yeah he was a a total love to spend on crap but no way yeah wait no, a minute no yeah. way did he really spend this much. Yeah, no, but it, it's interesting because he says it's like, yeah, no, to, to get this far in debt, you would have needed to have big, big tourneys every single year. And you, you don't see that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't hear about it. It's it's very clearly Littlefinger is, you know, embezzling all this stuff. He's probably doing some tricky, you know, Enron style accounting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so... But sadly, the uh, the fantasy does, you know, the, the fantasy does come true. Uh, you know, the, the fantasy comes into reality. Uh, there's a great line uh, I heard, and it was, uh, you know, when fantasy meets reality, or when idealism meets reality, it's rarely reality that backs down. And that's <laughs> what you got with that's what you got with Robert. You had the, the the storybook ascension of this great warrior king wronged by a yeah. family of cackling madmen. And then he ended up being, you know, he just, you know, he he just did not want to rule the kingdom. And I mean, we, and, we said it with Jaharis. You have to be busy. A peace does not mean inactivity. You got to no. be busy. You got to be. And, yeah, and, and Robert embodies being lazy and just inactive because he gets fat. Yes. So it's it's I mean, the, the fish, it's the really the Fisher King coming on because you know we got to do we got it we've got to reference more <laughs> more more uh literature the fisher yes. king where the the body of the king reflects the the body of the land and as as yeah. robert goes to fat he stops exercising the king the, the realm stops exercising as well and it drifts it into gets bloated it gets but it is summer this is definitely summer because this is prosperity oh it's it the long prosperity. summer yeah and in the middle of prosperity, of course, corruption and like becoming becoming petty 
squabbles become bigger and bigger. You get Stannis constantly hoarding over Renly's inheritance of of um, Storm's End. Yep. While while Stannis gets miserable, Dragonstone, you get you get the Tyrells and Martells still incredibly at odds when Garland Tyrell gets injured. Yep. And you get um, all this. Loras. Loras gets injured. No, Garland. No, uh, no, not Garland. Uh, Willis. Willis. It's Willis, Willis. Willis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're yeah. Right. yeah. Oh no, sorry. I was thinking of Loras getting injured when you're talking about, dra- about the, the Siege of Dragonstone. Oh yeah, that's that's way down the line. Yeah, that's way down the line. Yeah. And you get all these this corruption, and so the sheen for Robert diminished greatly, and of that he wasn't the fantasy hero when he just looked at at the bodies of of Aegon and Rhaenys. He did not smile to his, he did not smile and he did not celebrate. He just looked at them and turned the other way for his silent consent. And that diminished him. And then it's just being a king that he was not a great king, that he was a lazy, inept king. Yeah. And I mean, the buck stops here. It, you know, you, you have, we have to blame him for it. That's the thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Yes, he lost. You know, he lost Liana. Yes, all of that stuff. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're still the king. Yes. Well, you could do this. Well, he does at one point say, to his credit, that the only reason he hasn't abdicated is because he's terrified of Joffrey being king. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, so, no, and and 100%. Yes, he is also a better king than Joffrey. And Joffrey's jo- Joffrey's a a, a, rot, a a false king too. I mean, a false spring. He's a he's a rotten king too because he, you know, Sansa says, "Oh my God, he's so dreamy. Yeah. Look at those gold. Yes. Look at that that golden hair and that those good looks." And then you know what does he do? Oh yeah, that that's right. He yeah um, yeah yeah. So. So yeah, so I mean, uh, the problem. If the show is, is anything to go off of, Tommen also is going to end up being that too. Well, no, I mean Tommen. I mean, in in the book, Tommen's what? Yeah, but like Tommen, Yeah, Tommen's eight. So yeah, so so yeah, no, Tommen. I mean, we even see. I mean, Tommen doesn't know what he's doing, but he loves to put that stamp on stuff. <laughs> he loves. He, oh, so adorable! Which, which, I, I mean, really yeah, don't yeah. want that prophecy to be right because I love Tommen. He's so adorable. Can't he live? Oh. Nope. I mean, he's he's gonna <laughs> die, and and the only thing that makes it okay is that at the end of the day, he is a fictional he is a fictional character. That's yes. the only thing that that's the only saving grace, is that uh, he he doesn't suffer for real. Uh, but uh, but I mean, you know, you know, we we can you know say all, you know all that other stuff, but I guess that's the really the whole thing is that uh, sadly enough, the Targaryens end end in a not with a. Uh, you know this this catastrophic good versus evil, which although they might, you know, then you know Daenerys is still alive and she's obviously got some apocalyptic uh, mojo going on with her. Yep. So the tar the Targaryens might end up uh, ending with a bang, but as far as the mundane Iron Throne King of Westeros is, the Targaryens ended with uh, an old man and a whimper. Yeah. Well. And this is my favorite thing. Uh, one of the things I prided pr- pr- myself earlier, and this might be our perfect send-off. The Great Dynasty began with three dragon lords 
of Aegon the Conqueror, forging a throne made out of the, the swords of his fallen enemies, now was left, all that was left was a, a blind old man forgotten on the wall, a, the son of a king, but now a maester sworn to the night's watch. And he heard the news, and he still wept, but he kept to his vows. And that was the end of the Targaryen legacy, dynasty. Yeah. Maester Aemon, a forgotten Targaryen prince living on the wall. Oh. I will say this for, for, Ma- for Maester Aemon, though. Who was Maester Aemon but a man who remembered his vows? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And he, and he wept, and it, there's nothing wrong with it. Because, I mean, yes. I know that the Black Brothers like to say, you know, we're your brothers now, but no. You hear no. about the, the end of your dynasty, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with weeping. But I have to say, you know, we've explored this whole thing, and we've seen some good times and some bad times. It's uh, It's been a hell of a journey for— Amazing. Yeah, it's been, you know, and we, you know, we again, it was built, built out of a, a crazy idea I had— two years ago and now it became what i mean yeah. 10 at 10 hours at, at least yeah uh, yeah it's and, been fantastic i mean we've we've referenced you know roman history we've re- referenced english history we've referenced other literature we've referenced this we've had some back and forth we've had some and so i'm just uh, i'm glad that uh, if any of you are still listening from the from the beginning <laughs> and you've made it all the way over here Thank you very much. You weren't annoyed by my voice. Uh, Thank you for taking this journey with us. And not my obscure references. Thank you very much for listening to us. This has been a treasure to have you on, Jim, to talk about the history of Westeros. This was good. And uh, so so thank you for having me and uh, thank all of you all for uh, for listening. And I think uh, I think that's the best send off I could give is just to say uh, thank you all for the, the the time we had. All right. Ranking Thrones is not going to be over, though. Evan and I are going to be back and ranking the hands of the kings. We're going to have episodes on, on all the way starting with Oris Baratheon and ending with, with the Ned Stark. We're not going to go through all of them, mind you, we're, but we're going to go through the ones that we can make a full episode out of. And sadly, that, that does not mean Septon Barth. We can't do an episode on Septon Barth. And even further on, we do want to do some of the queens. So we want to talk about Alisane. We want to talk about some of the other exciting queens like Visenya. So we're going to get to that too. So Ranking Thrones is far from over, people. We got plenty of episodes on the way. See you then. Bye-bye.